Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Desks and Dorks, your favorite board game design and creation podcast that not only is shaped by you, but also brings you reviews, interviews, previews, and so, so much more. As always, except for last week, I am your host, Riley Parks, the desk to my lovely... Kyle Ott, the dork. Hello, everyone. Uh, Bringing you the first official recording with the new microphone set up. Yeah, uh... We are not able to record the video for today. For those of you that were enjoying and looking forward to that, I do apologize. So you won't be able to see Kyle's new microphone this week. Stay tuned for the next time. But yes. either way, hopefully but if our you're audio quality is improving every week. Yeah, if you're wondering why I sound as cool and crisp as a, a street fair snow cone, that would be why. Finally went and sprung big boy money on a big boy mic, and I'm I love it. Now we just need to get like I need to get like a recording space cordoned off so there's not like one bright fluorescent light right behind my head, and then I know right we're getting there slowly but surely. I understand. I have uh, an arcade cabinet behind me, which I guess isn't a bad thing for recording video, no, but we're not no, recording no. video. So let's actually talk about podcast. In fact, let's talk about board games. We should talk about board games. Also, on that games? note. Oh. Um, Besides the point of you know commemorating the new microphone, uh, thank you to everybody who helped us break over 1,200 Instagram followers as of this week. Kind of a big milestone for us, breaking well over a thousand now at this point, which is kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't put us in like the greatest uh, board game Instagram accounts, but we're getting up there. We're, we're doing all right. It's a great job. Thank you again, guys. We very much appreciate it. We look forward to more interactions with you guys. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Instagram.com/slash/deskandorks. Don't forget when we to hit 4,000, I will buy a gorilla. Gorilla glass. Or gorilla glue. I will buy, but not a I will buy a gorilla. Glue. Potentially a stuffed gorilla. A gorilla. Like, I, when that's you all I'm buy, saying you about it. Like, sponsor, right? I, I'm saying I'm buying a gorilla. We will cross that, that wonderful we silver that bridge. when we get there. Silverback bridge when we get there. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. 4,000 followers, we get a gorilla of some kind. Anyway, Kyle, what kind of board games do you want to talk about today? So this is a really cool idea. Uh, Riley and I were sort of racking our brain for awesome ideas to do this episode about, and it came up that we have done or we have not done something about looking forward to certain games. Um, We've talked a lot about games that have let us down, games that we love, uh, games that we would love to see created. Um, But as for those of you who know me, at the very least, know that I have a tremendous pile of shame in my house that just seems to grow larger no matter how many games that I play and how many games I get rid of. Like, I'm trying my darndest, really, I promise. Uh, but fans of our Collection Call series will know that I have a huge pile of shame. And so what better way to kind of talk about our piles of shame than to talk about games that we're really excited to try for whatever reason? Um, so we have each actually compiled a list of three games that we're going to get a chance to talk about. Um, 
And these are games that for whatever reasons, whether they're personal, whether they're like mechanical, whether it's just like, I just haven't had time to sit down and actually jam a couple of games. I am excited to try some of these games on my list. There's a couple that I have had for like a year or two now that I'm really excited to try. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this is a list of basically games that Riley and I, for whatever reason, are just hyped up and down the wazoo to actually give a shot. So, And for me, I only actually own one of them. I'm not going to lie to you. That's okay. I own... I own all three of the games that I am excited to give a chance to. Um, We're still small enough in our collection that I don't buy unless we play for the most part. Yes. Honorable mentions for this list, however. I don't know if you have any honorable mentions, Riley, if you want to put your what would have been your fourth. Uh, I put HeroQuest, the uh, Kickstarter, on my list. Uh, it felt disingenuous to say, I'm really excited to try HeroQuest because like, I've already played HeroQuest. Um by here, it's by just, Kickstarter, you mean the Hasbro back yes, thing? Yes, yes. Uh, Game Found, I think, or Hasbro it's not Game ha- Found. Has Has Labs, Has Labs, Has Labs. Labs. Um, uh, is, is what it is. But that just seems disingenuous. I've already played Hero Quest, so uh, Theory of Dracula also on my list. I actually got into a really nice conversation with Three Minute Board Games on YouTube in the comment section of one of his videos because like I've only ever watched Fury of Dracula played, um, and so it was weird having a conversation with him, but it was really nice. Shout out to three minute board games. You guys are awesome. Um, but yeah, I had a nice conversation about fury of Dracula. I'm supposed to try that at some point this year. So, um, I know miles Myers, our good friend and uh, friend of the show. And also my co-host for last episode for last week, uh, check that list out. If you haven't yet check that episode out, if you haven't yet, but I uh, was talking about getting a game of it. And so those are my honorable mentions for hero quest and fury of Dracula. So, Mine, my honorable mention, I'm going to limit it to one, is one that is going to both, it, it's both odd and it's very odd to say, and I feel like I get shamed for it. It's Catan. That's not a bad I've one. That's a good one. I never actually had a chance to play Catan. I, I played very, like, I played things inspired by Catan. I am very aware right. of Catan. I once was tried to be talked through how to play Catan in the middle, in the backseat of a car, but, like, Catan wasn't physically there. They just tried to, like, create a mental board and have us play. It did not go well. Um, no. But that was long before my interest in board games peaked anyway, so it was like I want nothing to do with this game. But now I really would enjoy playing one of the games that really got out there. I mean, you saw it all the time. People strive for it. People love it. They make millions yeah. of accessories and, like... Do yourself a favor when you... Oh, I'm sorry. Do yourself a favor. When you play Catan... Um, play it with not big board gamers like I can be there but like you want the majority of people there to be like really casual and into the hobby Um, that's one again that we talked about last week Riley or Miles and I did you're Riley not Miles Um, Miles and I talked about it last week but I loved playing that with people because like we played it with my friend's family and their family does not do at that time hadn't really done more than like crazy eights really and so it like you get to watch people who like aren't big gamers come alive in a way that really kind of makes you aware of how special a game Catan is. It's not a perfect game, but it's a game that I still come back to and I still really enjoy. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, that's really my only honorable mention, but let's, so Kyle, since I ended up that one, what is one of the first games that you have? Uh, So one of the first games that I am really excited to play is a wonderful game actually given to me by my boss, uh, a good man named Stefan Brousseau, who's the COO of Yellow Games. He had this sitting on a shelf for a while, and he's like, I'm never going to play this. Uh, do you want to give this a try? And sent it to me over the pandemic uh, last year, and I still have not had a chance to actually get it to the table because it's a legacy game. Uh, it's Seventh Continent. Yep. Um, and Seventh Continent has been one of those games that I... 
I, I legacy games are like really tough for me uh, because I genuinely love a good legacy game. Like Gloomhaven just continues to occupy a ton of space in my brain and a ton of real estate on my shelf. Um, I've thoroughly, thoroughly love Gloomhaven and I probably always will. I really liked zombie kids evolution, which is just such a light, very simple little legacy game from Scorpion Masque. Um, so like I like legacy games, but it's tough for me to get a legacy game to the table because of a, what Riley and I do for our job. There's so many games that we have to play. And because of what I do for yellow games, there's so many games that I have to try. Um, and I, so I wind up constantly having to kind of keep a revolving door of games, which is really why seventh continent has not had a chance to hit the shelf, but I love Indiana Jones. I love the age of discovery. I'm so excited to like finally give this game a try. And I don't think it's going to happen this summer, sadly, um, just because there's a ton of other stuff that we've got mapped out content wise and stuff that I am doing content wise, especially now that we've released after the rain. Um, and that's going to be coming out next year. So there's a ton of stuff that we need to do for that. I just don't see myself getting to a legacy game, which is why it's number three on my list, because it's one that I desperately want because I love the themes and it comes so highly recommended. But because it's a legacy title, it just kind of keeps getting pushed back for me. So if you're a fan of Seventh Continent and you're listening, let me know what I'm missing out and maybe I'll be able to bump some other stuff off my list because I really want to try this one. And it's literally, I can like see it from where, oh, that's funny. Actually, I didn't try that. There's another one of my games on this list on top of Seventh Continent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's one of those games I will get a chance to try because I love the themes and it comes so highly recommended. It's just that with legacy titles, I just have such a hard time getting them to my table. Yeah, and it's, I mean... I understand because, like, Vampire the Masquerade Heritage is a game that my wife and I have absolutely fallen in love with, but we haven't had a chance to fully go back and finish certain parts of it that we wanted to. We did it for a review, we played through it, but we wanted to really flesh out some of the other sections and such, and we just haven't had the chance because there's so many other games, and then, of course, she got hooked on Lord of the Rings, the the fun the uh, one. one. The, yeah, the uh, Journeys of Middle Earth. Journeys, right, Middle Journeys Earth. of Middle Earth. Yep, and then she got hooked on Everdell, so it's li- it's hard to do that. Plus, all of our games that we play again for the podcast that really kind of take hold and make it so when we only have one night a week to play, kind of playing a podcast game. Yeah, that's true. I actually just tried Everdell, by the way. It's good. Dominated that game. I crushed well that game. <laughs> yeah, it it was it was really nicely done. I, I would like to try it again. Both. What's up? I've lost. Did both. you do two players? I did two and three, and I've lost every time I've played. Every single. Time. I won in. I won in fairly, fairly convincing fashion to the point where I we were almost running out of score tokens. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I didn't get lapped uh, or anything like that, but I definitely. Yeah. Uh, the I think the gap between like me and last place was like forty points or thirty points. It was a lot. Yeah, I don't think it's been quite that bad, thankfully for me. Second place was only like fifteen or twenty behind me. <laughs> like, it was still, oof, it was, yeah, that no, was a we've lot. had really close games every time, like within five okay. points. So, in in fairness, it was still a learning game for all of us. Yeah, I'm excited to try the one. But so why? I guess so. Oh man, I'm totally blanking. What did you just say? Why am I? Why can't I, I remember the game? I was you just literally talking just about said. the Vampire the Heritage Master. Oh, it's okay. not on this list. I was just saying I understand the legacy games. With yes. that being said, though, a game that we've been talking about wanting to play for all, over a year now, um, quite literally, is one of the games that my wife and my wife saw at the game store when they first opened back up that we really wanted to play, and we just haven't had the time yet. Is Role Player? Yes. 
And I know yes. because I am such as as listeners of the show know and those that don't listen very often, I am a avid RPG fan. I love character creation. I love playing those games. So the fact that there's an entire game based around making a character, and then if I'm not mistaken, I've heard that there's like a sequel where you get to make a character and play as the character. Or it's like uh, built in the world or something like that. Building the world. I believe role player uh, it's cartographers. Uh, so it's no, like a roll and write where one. you map about the no? Maybe there is. I, it's been a while because I still haven't tried role player either. I own wow. several promos, but I don't own the game. And I, <laughs> I just love the idea of playing an entire game that takes a decent amount of time. I think when we watch someone play it, they played it for over an hour. And you're just creating the character. Uh, but it's it, it's you know rolling, creating, kind of doing a thing. It's not just like writing down numbers the whole time. So that's something that really kind of peaks my interest and that I would love to get the chance to check out at some point. Yeah, that's let me know when you do that cuz I would desperately love to try that one. That that's also wow. as somebody who's who spent more time I think making Dungeons and Dragons characters than I have playing Dungeons and Dragons or at the very least an equivalent amount of time. Ah, see for me I that's love not the case, characters. which is weird. I'm one of the people that like I I've had uh, a lot of luck with campaigns though. So I I go campaign like I'll play a character usually for at least 6 months before I make a new one. I don't make characters either, like, just for fun. Which is maybe why uh, Roleplayer intrigues me, because it gives me the ability to do just that. But what other games are you looking forward to, Kyle? So, this actually, speaking of things that I would like to try with you, but uh, there is another wonderful, wonderful game that I want to try with you. This is one that it's actually popped up a couple times on the podcast, especially for our earlier episodes. You were with me when I bought the game, um, and it inspired some of our conversation around Road to Freedom, uh, and that's the troubled life of Billy Kerr uh, by Hub City Games. Hub City Games keeps making really experimental games, and that in, that always seem to intrigue me. Uh, Mega City Oceania being a really great experimental kind of dexterity game. And so, uh, the troubled life of Billy Kerr. It's this game where you and everybody else are hospice workers, and you're essentially trying to make this elderly gentleman's life as uh, comfortable as possible while he passes away. And the idea, which is, of course, like not the most haha, super fun uh, board game theme, but it always intrigued me because I love board games as a vehicle for telling stories. Um, I think a lot of us at this point are aware that, that they are really successful ways to tell great stories. Um, and so what intrigues me about this is that it, instead of shying away from that, it really kind of leans into it. Um, and I'm just I'm really curious to see how it presents those themes the themes of love and loss and regret themes of death and you know and striving for something a little bit better it it's really interesting to me uh to see how that's going to play out i'm excited to give that one a try but that's one that i think you and i have talked about playing together for some time I now would because love to check that out because yeah. i the emotional aspect of it definitely and that's why i haven't busted it open that's why it's still it's still in the shrink wrap um, is because I want to actually give it a try with you just because a what a cool idea and b you know what a great way of being like wow like seeing kind of what games can do as a medium for storytelling so and that's one that like you're a busy dude I'm a busy dude you know we run a podcast we're about to publish a board game we run all the social media stuff for it we we field emails and requests we talk to people so like it's a busy life um so the odds of us getting to play it soon are hopefully good I'd like to think at some point soon. One day we'll um, schedule a day where we just dedicate to troubled life of Billy Kerr and then other things. 
of that yes. first and foremost on the docket. Yes, and that's really the that's really the only reason that it hasn't gotten a chance to get played yet. It's not that I haven't had time to sit down and play a storytelling game. It's like there's a there's a select group of people. In this case, a select person I would like to play that yeah. game with, and that's why it's still I'm still hyped to see it. Like the reviews for it are like really wild too, because they, there's not like a middle ground. People either are like this is one of the best experiences of my life, or eh, this is pretty garbage. Um, which really only intrigues me even more because those kind of experiences, I like either way, it's a game that has clearly elicited some strong feelings from people, um, which means that whatever happens in that game happens to a really strong extent. Oh yeah. Whether so, for better yeah. or for worse. So that I can't look forward to that. I can't look forward. I can't wait to check that one out. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of games still in shrink though, ours is a completely different type of game. So okay, Miranda but still in shrink. I, Miranda and I got really big into Seven Wonders as one of our bigger, kind of heavier weight games like that. And yes. we've, we absolutely love that game and games that are similar. And we still have Seven Wonders Duel sitting in shrink up in my attic. I have owned it for... I think I bought it in, like, November Ugh. of last year. That's so painful for me. it's still sitting in shrink because we've just found all these other games that take precedence. Oh. And we play a lot. We we've gotten into a habit of playing a lot of three player games. We take games over, play with my father, stuff like that. So it's not always just the two of us. And when it is the two of us, it ends up being something like a Everdale or Lord of the Rings, the campaign there, or you know, like today we played a game for the podcast that's coming up. Um, we spent the time to play a little two player game. So it's stuff like that. So Seven Wonders Duel, you know, the smaller version. I've heard it's so optimized for two player. We did try the two player Seven Wonders once. No, it, no. it wasn't the f- most phenomenal experience, which is why Seven Wonders Duel, from what I've heard about, is great. Like a, a great idea. I just don't know how it'll play out, and I can't wait to do it. I have no idea when that'll happen because we've gotten to the point where her and I literally schedule out time for us to play other games and such. So we'll yeah. see. Having Knowing what that game is going to do to your schedule, I, it's like I want to be mad that you haven't tried it because it is it is my favorite two player game of all time. It's Seven Wonders Duel, and Emily and I have I want to say played it between Emily and I and between introducing it to people, between playing at the game store, I probably played it at least over two hundred times. Um, it it is going to I'm glad that you haven't tried it yet because I feel like it's going to take precedence over most games for you once you've tried it. Um, and I've played Seven Wonders. And like, man, Seven Wonders Duel is like an infinitely better game. Like it, it clearly was like two guys, Antoine, like even Antoine Bowser, who designed Seven Wonders and obviously went back to design Seven Wonders Duel with the help of Bruno Catala. Um, like it's clear, like playing, having played both of those, that he must have looked at Seven Wonders and been like, this is what I should have done the first time around because everything is just so stream. Like it is so... Like, it is the leanest, meanest, most efficient game I've played. Like, there is not an ounce of fat on that game at all. And what I'm told is that winning purely by military is a viable thing. Correct. Which is military might in a game. Oh, 100%. You've won me over. So I can't wait. Well, and you like Civ games too, right? Like, you and I have talked about, like, civilization builders. The fact that you can win through points, through military, or science. There are three different ways to win that game, and they're all equally viable is nuts. And like, that's why Seven Wonders caught us because it's all of these different things, but it's just not vi- the viability. Yeah. You and, see, and I can't and see I can't play Seven Wonders anymore without the leaders expansion. Like uh, unless you have leaders, I'm not interested. 
suppose. Like, I don't... Yeah. Like, I've played Sef- all the expansions, and then I've played base game. Okay. Whereas, like, Seven Wonders Duel, though, like, I don't need the expansions. Honestly, I think I prefer it without, which is crazy. Because they're like, oh, do you want additional? No. This game is flawless the way that it is. That's interesting. I am excited. I am very excited to see what your and Miranda's thoughts are when you play Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, that, it's, that, it's going to be I'm fun to check out. so curious to see what you think about it. Uh, my last one is <laughs> the absolute opposite of Seven Wonders Duel. Um, this is a massive big box we talked about like lean and small and efficient this is not that this is huge and exorbitantly produced and made for multiplayer games and uh just full of like paint like miniatures that are just absolutely gorgeous and it's played out over this board and it's a tactical game uh this is a game that came out a while ago this is cry havoc uh which is a sci-fi uh dudes on a map area control military game made by Grant Rodiak, uh, the designer of Fort, which is really weird. That to sounds sit- weird. Uh, dude, Google the picture, because Cry Havoc is, it is an experience. Um, this game, for those of you in the know, it's about like $80 MSRP. Um, those miniatures, memes. the miniatures are gorgeous. The board is gorgeous. Like, the whole thing is just this big, sumptuous jest beef and cheese hungry man's sci-fi dudes on a map kind of game um it is the kind of experience that says hey here's three or four hours here's some serious rules crunch and i was so lucky um that i managed to nab a copy of this a used copy of cry havoc for 10 bucks oh wow which was yes which was staggering that's like a 70 dollars off the price tag i'm just looking at these minis Oh, dude, the minis are awesome. The minis are great. The mechs are sweet. Uh, Like, the big-looking trog guys are really cool. So, basically, what it is is, for those of you who... I'm sorry, I'm, like, gushing about this game because it looks so cool. Um, But it's an asymmetric experience for four players where, basically, you are one of four different empires, three of whom are arriving on this, what they think is an unclaimed planet full of resources, and one of you is the trogs, which are the, the the species already living on the planet, and you're like, uh, excuse us, like this is our house. Uh, can you leave, please? And what it is is you are actually battling for not only just for resources and for supremacy, uh, but for control of the planet itself. Um, and what really struck me the most about this was there has a three-pronged battle system where uh, winning and losing isn't just done by influence or power level or a dice roll. You actually bid with your soldiers one of the three sections, and then each of those three sections has an outcome for you in the battle. So, for example, if you win attrition, you can kill an enemy and then take and get some points, or there's one that actually is like, if you win this section, you actually take an enemy miniature out of the game entirely and so it's this really weird thing where it's like yeah you could win a battle but if you're not smart about where you're going to bid um the the outcome for it could be catastrophic for you um and it was really that three-pronged battle system coupled with the just frankly astounding presentation value and the great price that i got it for but i've had this since let's play games and hobbies opened almost two years ago now and i still have not had a chance to play it um is my number one game that needs to get played uh, yeah, this, this year, game. this looks amazing. Yes, it looks it looks incredible. Um, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I think fantasy is obviously more of my bag. But man, you tell me there's an asymmetric 
dudes on a map sci-fi battler i'm like let's go like that's ticking off all the boxes let's like i'm very very excited to to try it um but yeah this is one that like i have had for almost yeah i think about two years now right because let's play opened up almost two years ago now at this point year and a year and like year and year 1.75 year or whatever you want to call it in any case i've had it for so long and i really want to try it and i've loved grant rodiak's other stuff or at the very least um i've found everything that he's made to be really intriguing even if i don't necessarily love it i've always found it in like his work to be particularly interesting um like i didn't love fort the card game but it definitely made me think a lot about like how he chose to design it so the fact that he has kind of been given all of this leeway to do this big giant thing with cry havoc it makes me really excited to try it so it's a perfect storm of a great price awesome presentation an intriguing battle system and a designer that i am really interested uh because of his past work so yeah that looks like a lot of game for the money uh speaking of a lot of game and a lot of money I oh love boy. how we both saved sci-fi for last, and how we both oh saved boy. big box. I think I know exactly games. what this is. Oh, too. Kyle knows exactly what this is because we actually have scheduled the time almost a month from now to play this over a month from now to play this game, um, and I cannot wait. And for those of you wondering at home, it's Twilight Imperium, specifically the fourth edition. Now, yeah, I have buddy. not had a chance to play any Twilight Imperium games. I love big weighty games like this the idea of them i mean i realize that this is leaps and bounds above but like when i was long before i got into board games playing risk on a daily basis kind of thing like you would see twilight imperium be like yes that's it that's the evolution of this obviously there's a lot of things in the middle i learned now but that was like the next step um and i've read through and looked at the rules of both the first and the second edition of twilight imperium and just given up on them but i've heard great things about fourth edition just this big weighty i mean it's galactic conquest going through with all these spaceships trying to take over the galaxy and do what you can to take out those around you and i cannot wait and of course uh because i have to throw this in there um for those of you that are long-term followers back last year for the christmas holiday we were a part of a toys for tots um video with a bunch of different content creators in the board game industry and market um, where we all did certain parts of a carol related to Twilight Imperium and that really is one of the things that just took me over and made me want to play yeah I I am very excited to to give this one a try um, people who have watched the show know that like my history with Twilight Imperium has been fraught shall we say with uh, a, a lot of different difficulties so i am excited to give it a sh- to give it a shot um this like from what i've heard from everybody in the industry right twilight imperium fourth edition had taken a lot of my issues uh with twi- like with the first time that i played twilight imperium and kind of streamlined them um and it helps that i'm playing it with some really good friends i think that's I think if I didn't know, even with the changes and like the ability, like the ability to give this one a shot, I think if I wasn't trying it with people that I knew I liked spending time with, I don't think I would be, I would be, I'd be doing it a second time around. Uh, but I'm very excited to give this one a try with you and Matt. I think that's, and Jeremy, I think is going to be coming too. Oh, sweet. Um, 
Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. All I know is I was told that we're meeting at like noon and that I should not expect to leave until 10 o'clock at night. Yep. That's, yeah. That includes that's includes the meal break from what I'm told. Yes. But, that worries me a little bit. Like, I, I, I don't know. I still, I get the heebie jeebies anytime someone's like, it's longer than three hours. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, there's nothing like looking it up on BGG and that playing time is from 240 to 480 minutes. Yeah. I, mm, man, I, yes, it worries me. That, that still worry. I would be lying if I said that doesn't worry me at least a little bit. I'm still excited to give it a try. I'm still excited to play it. But, man, oof. It's it's going to be an experience, and I can't wait for that experience. I don't think yeah. uh, our friend Matt, who's hosting the fourth edition play, um, is selling a third edition version. And I've been very tempted to pick it up. I just know that I do not have the schedule to be able to play a game like this once of my own yeah. time, let alone twice or more times to make it really worth picking up. So that's at why the price I, that he's offering it for, though. Like, isn't he selling it for like fifty bucks? Ti three seventy. That's still worth which it. Which is ridiculously good. That's still worth for it. Ti three and the condition it's in is amazing. I just yeah. I don't. I don't even like Ti three, and I'm like, man, that's a good deal. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great deal, and that's why I'm so tempted by it. But I will see how fourth edition goes. If I fall in love with fourth edition. Maybe I'll look back on the changes and see if it's worth go, trying to go back or what it is. But only time from will from tell. what I know, and this is something again that I've I keep my ear to the ground on these things. But the people that I know who are big Twilight Imperium fans have have said many times to me, they've been like, "Listen, if you like love Ti four, but you can get it for, but you're you're hesitant on the price because it's still like 150, 200 bucks, isn't it?" It's 150 is the cheapest I can find it right now. Right. They're like, if you like TI4 and you're hesitant because of the price, they're like, honestly, if you get TI3 for like 70 bucks, I think is a totally reasonable price for it. But they're like, if you can get that, they're like, just do it. They're like, that just te- generally is like one of the better. That's a good, like, that's a good deal. That's, that, that's from what I experienced. One, yeah. two, three, four have actually succeeded each other in that manner. Yeah. Good for them too. There's a great there's a great documentary too. I forget what the title of it is, but it's like a history of like plastic and styrofoam. I think it was something, but it's like a big it's like a, an hour long retrospective on the history of Twilight Imperium. If anyone is interested in giving that a watch, I actually still found it very fascinating, despite the fact that I've never actually like I've only ever played the game once. But yeah, I'm excited for that man. It's going to be a good one for all of us. It'll be very enjoyable. And worst case scenario. Enjoyable, I really appreciate everybody listening to us today. Chat and such. Thank you again for helping us get to the Instagram followers. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Desks and Dorks. You can uh, go to Twitter at Desks Dorks, Facebook.com slash Desks Dorks. Listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting sites by searching us up Desks and Dorks. And of course on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Desks and Dorks with that custom URL. Or by searching us on there, go to DesksandDorks.org. Uh, and thank you again, everybody. We're just going to go ahead and not do a weird question today. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. It was a good try. I had a chance it to miss a... it for like three weeks now because we didn't do, we haven't done an episode together in a little while. Yeah, that's true. It's so weird that we haven't done that together in a while. But yeah, it does. It does feel like it's been like. I don't know why it feels like it's been like a long time since we've done like an actual. I don't know, full on episode episode. It's weird. I don't know why I feel like that, but I do. It hasn't been that long, but it's been a little No, long. it hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't, which is always odd. But in any case, uh, I do have us 
a wonderful, weird question. If you're interested, even if you're not, we still have it. So here is our interesting question. Are you ready, sir? I am as ready as life will ever take me. <laughs> I'm as ready. I'm as ready as you'll ever be. I love it. Okay, so here is our weird question uh, for the show. Uh, let's say, Riley, that you have, of course, been teleported back to a glorious time of knights, of wizards, maybe wizards. You have the ability to pick what is going to be on your shield. The heraldry of your shield. Sir Stag Riley head. of House Sir, Sir, Sir Riley of House Parks. Staghead. Uh a staghead? Stag what head. color? What what background? Red. Three stagheads, preferably. Three stagheads on a red. Because field. that's actually my actual heraldry and I absolutely love it. I would never change There's it. a there's a Parks family heraldry? Kyle, the, the the Parks family has gone through much in the world. Oh yeah. I'm looking this up now. <laughs> Yeah. All right. My specific line, yeah. Well, yeah, it is three stags. Yeah. On a yellow and blue background, but yes, three stags. Well, it's, it's redhead traditionally is yeah. our branch of it. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's three red. Yeah, it's three red stagheads. That's crazy. Scotland, and I would Ireland, not change it for the world. Wow. Not at all. That was all. really fast. <laughs> that's incredible. I realize fast. it's not as exciting as you may have been hoping for, like this weird no. off the wall thing. But honestly, I love that's, it. I would stick with the staghead. A triple stag head, preferably, of course, um, and just go for it. Yeah, I like it. Not bad. What about you, Sir Ott? Do you have a uh, heraldry that you're hearkening to or fully original? I mean, I can look up my heraldry, I guess, but like well, we don't know question. a whole lot about of our family. But what I do know, I believe what I'd like to have is a bear of some kind. Probably like a bear on a blue background. Blue is my favorite color. Um but supposedly the name Ot was a nickname in Estonia uh, for bear. Um, and so my family comes from Germany. And so it's entirely plausible that we were somewhere around the Estonian region, or at least parts of our family had. Um, but for a long time now, friends of mine have called me bear. Friends of my dad's, my mom have called him bear forever. And that was even before we knew that there was a connection between our last name and bear. Um, and I just, I feel like that would just be a sweet sweet thing to have so yeah i would like to have a bear i think maybe like a bear like i don't know like house eating mormont something level. yeah yeah love house mormont man those are my favorite people in that show the only thing i care about stubborn and i mean and, and rightfully so liana mormont is the great liana mormont should have been the freaking queen by the I, end of I that i agree 100 um yeah like i think i'd like a bear on like a blue field maybe he's like standing on top of something eating something I don't know. I'm not picky. I just give me a bear on my shield. A bear in a big castle. That's what I want. That's no. That's a bear in a blue castle. Because then I could have bear in the big blue house. Oh my god! <laughs> make it yes. I, I hate everything That's it. about it. That's it. That's it. And now when I beat people, they'll just get dunked on by bear in a big blue house. That's it. That's the move. We did it, boys. Bear in a big. We blue officially house. did it. Bear in the big blue we castle. Bear in a big blue house. That's it. That's the podcast episode. That's the title. That's not the podcast episode. That's the title. That's the title. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you again for listening in. We very much appreciate it. It has been a pleasure. As always, I am Riley Parks, joined. And I'm Kyle Ott. The bear in the big blue castle. The Ott bear in the big blue castle. Adios. Ott bear in the the big blue castle. 
Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. What is up, Clone Army? Welcome to a little special segment I'm calling Drives with Fives. Oh, sometimes it's going to be five minutes with fives. Sometimes it's going to be five things with fives. Five by fives. It's going to change here and there whenever I do this. This is just, you know, my random thought while I'm out on the road. Um, can't really give the old Commander Quattro's call it. 1 a.m. here in uh, good old Cleveland, Ohio, but, uh, you know, I have some thoughts on some things that, that the commander hasn't um, gotten into just yet, and, uh, you know, some things I want to discuss with all of you, and, and some of these things, hey, you know, more than welcome to email us, email me, you have any thoughts on these things, but the very first thing I want to talk about is what has become one of my favorite books, Dooku, Jedi Lost. This book, written by Kevin Scott, who is about to release the next wave of the High Republic books, and the name escapes me, of course I'm not going to look it up because I'm driving, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kevin Scott he nailed this book, this Count Dooku book, man. I don't want to spoil a ton of it because I challenge all of you that have not read it to go and read it. Or if you're a member of Audible or Audio and whatnot, grab that audio version because, man, that thing is pumped with an amazing acting cast. Uh, the, the audio version... I, I am not steering you wrong here, man. This, it's like listening to a Star Wars film. It's just so well done with the sound effects and the voice acting and the music and the intensity. It, it just it sucks you right in. And man, is it a ball. I've listened to it twice now. I'm actually considering listening to it again just because it's that damn good. Oh. Um, so basically what this what this book does is it it kind of gives you the history of Dooku from initiate Dooku to Count Dooku to Darth Tyrannus. Um starts out as an initiate, you know, little kid, just not even I don't I guess they're not Padawans just yet. They don't become a Padawan until they get a master from what I'm gathering, at least in this book. But he meets another another big name character in the Star Wars universe pretty early on, someone he considers his best friend, Sifo Dyas. And 
You know, he's with Sifo Dyas all the way up until the end of, of his Jedi career. And, uh, you know, th- this... I don't want to spoil things, so <laughs> forgive me if I struggle with how I'm explaining it, because I, I, I want you all to read it. I want, Obviously, you all know Count Dooku was a Jedi, and he turned to the dark side, but this book... I wish they would make this a movie or, or a Disney Plus series. Um, he ends up going to his home planet, Serrano. And I, I'm not going to spoil a ton here, but that's where he's from. He's from Serrano. And he ends up going there with this... Uh, with a group of Jedi. Yoda's there. A bunch of other characters that I'm assuming are introduced in this book... I don't really remember seeing their names anywhere else, but, you know, Sifo Dyas is there with him, and basically Dooku gets into, he's, the Jedi are there to, like, do some, some, uh, doing, like, this demonstration, it's this whole big republic situation here. Uh, I, I can't for the life of me think of what it was called now. But, uh, there's this public event that the Republic is saying, hey, come join the Republic. You know, we've got better cookies than the dark side. And, uh, Dooku gets this kind of little spidey sense thing and, um, kind of wanders out and sees two young kids. Dooku's also, okay, my bad. Dooku's also young still here, you know, he's not a Padawan yet, he's an initiate, and, or maybe a Padawan, see, that the part's confusing me, because I don't know if they're just Padawan, or young, they go from youngling to initiate to Padawan, someone out there correct me, but anyways, so, he comes across this scuffle between this little girl and and this boy, and these thug-like bullies, and he ends up using the force to push them away from these kids, and he feels this connection with, with the girl, um, doesn't, he can't really explain it, but they both kind of connect, and she wants to show him around the city, you know, just kids having fun, you know, and, um, they go into, like, this, uh, uh, it's not a great hall, they go into this building, kind of like the Senate building in Cor- on Coruscant, but it's a smaller version for council members of Serrano, and she's showing him, like, these statues and whatnot, and Dooku, like, starts hearing this, like, growling sound in his head, he doesn't know it's in his head, he's just, like, he's this girl named Jenza that he's with, she doesn't hear it, but he's hearing it, and it's this, like, evil, grotesque, snarling sound, and he's attracted to this sculpture of this dragon, and he's asking Jenza what it, what it is, and it's the Tirataka, it's the she says it's a Teratako. It's like an ancient dragon that, you know, legend has it, keeps 
their world, Serrano, held together. And Dooku reaches out, touches reaches out to touch this thing, and Genza, I believe, tells him not to. It's bad luck if you touch it. Well, lo and behold, the ground starts rumbling, and I don't know exactly if he touches the sculpture, but he gets close enough, and this whole building just crumbles down from an earthquake, and him and Genza are trapped under a bunch of rubble, and she obviously at this point knows he's, you know, a Jedi, even though he's not like an actual Jedi yet. He hasn't completed his training. But she tells him to use the Force, and he's like, yeah, sure, you know. I, at, at first he doubts himself, but then he's like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a whirl. And uh, so he's doing basically his best impression of Yoda, trying to push these rocks off of them to get them out of there. It, the, the rocks start to move, and he's, he hears Sifo Diaz talking from above, and he's so eager to tell his best friend, you know, hey, I'm moving these rocks, I'm really doing it. And he finally gets the chance, and Sifo Diaz is just like, no, no, dude, you're not. You're not moving these rocks. And uh, Duker gets a little mad, like, what the heck, you know, this is this is my boy, man. Why is he, <laughs> why is he believing me? And then Duku sees why. There he is, man. Little, little, uh, judge him by his size. You do not, Master Yoda, lifting all the rocks and boulders off of them and rescuing them. You know, so Dooku's kind of embarrassed and his pride's a little shook. But he saves them, you know, gets them out of the rubble. I think Dooku comes away with a broken leg. But I don't want to say too much more about the next part because. It's a little too spoilery. I challenge you all to read it, though. It's so... It gets so good. All right, so I'm going to try and tell you a few things that I really liked, that really stood out to me, aside from the things that I already mentioned. You know, the acting, the sound effects, the music, and, and how everything just kind of pulls you in. Aside from the main plot of how Dooku went from Jedi to Sith Lord... A Sith Lord... I left something out that I, I don't think necessarily spoils the story. It more or less... it's You'll know it right from the start if, if you haven't read it and are going to. Asajj Ventress is learning about her master, Dooku, Count Dooku, through holotapes and some stories by him as well. Some of that is really interesting, and it, it takes you from, you know, the start of the story to the end, and there is a very big reason why there are chapters with Asajj Ventress's end of the story. Like I said, I'm not spoiling anything here, but, you know, my first time through, I was like, okay, well, the Ventress stuff's cool. I love Ventress. She's one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. She's awesome. But I, my first time with the book, I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is supposed to be about Dooku. I want, I want the focus to be on Dooku, which it really is. But sometimes I felt like the Ventress chapters weren't leading to anything, but they do. So my second time through, I 
paid more attention to that. So, alright, so, that's one. The adventurous stuff in this book I thought was really well written, and it shows uh, she has some some conflict within as well. And the way that Kevin Scott wrote this, I'm, I, he just, he, he did a remarkable job telling this part of the story and really giving some more life to a beloved character like Asajj Ventress. Another thing I liked is the relationship between Dooku and Sifo Diaz. Like I had mentioned earlier, they are best friends. And, again, without spoiling anything, and this isn't anything major, a lot of times with best friends, um, in my own life experience, you have some issues. But then you you find your way back. So, it's just, it's a very believable friendship between these two. And Sifo Diaz, I'll say, is another thing that I really liked about this book, because you really, what, you hear his name in Attack of the Clones, he, spoiler alert for Attack of the Clones, if you haven't seen it, I highly doubt you haven't, but, you know, he's reportedly the one that ordered the clone army, radio, and that's all you really hear about him in the movies, and then there is, um, is there two episodes? I know there's at least one episode in the Clone Wars that, oh man, I wish I could remember that. I'm going to have to dig through when I get home and, and find that episode and watch it. But there's an episode, at least one episode, that involves Sifo DS in the Clone Wars. So you don't really know much, much about him. I love him. In, in this story, I'm like, okay, this character, he's a dynamic character. He, I didn't know, I didn't know what his special force abilities were or anything, because it seems like a lot of characters have, you know, that special force ability. Uh, example, Palpatine has force lightning, you know, that's his go-to. Darth Vader has the Force Choke. Um, Yoda absorbs electricity. He can absorb dark side energy and push it back at his foes using the light side. Um, you know, so everybody has... Not everybody, I guess, but most of the bigger names have something special. Quinlan Voss, maybe this is a spoiler. Quinlan Voss can pick up items and learn about the person that used them. But anyway, so Sifo Diaz was another part of the story that I really liked. The relationship between Yoda and Count Dooku. As we know from Attack of the Clones, Count Dooku was Yoda's Padawan. Well, I'm sure Yoda had plenty, many Padawans, but you know he was one of Yoda's Padawans. And you get to see a, the relationship between the two of them, which, when you watch Attack of the Clones, at least from when I watch Attack of the Clones, I'm like, okay, there's some bad blood between these two. Obviously, dark side, light side, and all of that, but it seemed like there was more going on 
in their conversation in the in Attack of the Clones. So we get to see a little bit of that, and it's it's fun. You get to see a little bit of Qui Gon Jinn in this story, a young Padawan Qui Gon, which that's something else I would love to see more of. Uh, but but you know, he's not in it a lot. But but it's it's a good segment of the story. I could go on and on and on about what I liked about this book because it's it's one of my favorites. And for me to say that, I guess, is a lot because I'm one of those people that I read almost all of the expanded universe stories, and then when they turned it to legends and and whatnot, I was kind of ticked off about it. But you know, I'm over it. Whatever, it's stuff happens. I have no control over it. It just means that whatever read whatever you want, enjoy whatever you want, right? So, I guess lastly, I'll wrap this up. The turn of uh, Dooku to the dark side. Oh, you know what? No. <laughs> there is one other thing that I think is really interesting because remember in the Phantom Menace when, at the end of the Phantom Menace when Chancellor Palpatine approaches Obi-Wan and his very new Padawan Anakin Skywalker and he says you know, we'll watch your career with great interest well, Palpatine makes an appearance in this and it just kind of gave me that similar vibe Again, I don't want to spoil anything, so that's all I'm going to say. And they use the... I guess Sheev is a canon first name for Palpatine. I'm still not a fan of it. Sheev is such an odd name. But Palpatine's kind of an odd character. You know, an amazing villain, obviously. But he's definitely an oddball um, character. So I guess having a name like Sheev makes sense for him. I'm not a fan, but it is what it is. I love the character. He's, in my opinion... Palpatine is the top villain in everything. You know, I don't I don't know any other way to word that. He's he is the best written villain by far. So lastly, yes, the turn from Jedi Dooku to Count Dooku, man. It is just, it's dark, and it's a huge event, and he just gets very cold. I love it. You know, it's, like, just me thinking about it. I want to stop recording what I'm talking about and go and listen to that part of the book again, because it was just so well written, which... You know, to end here, this this book, Dooku Jedi Lost, yes, it's one of my favorites, and it's it's great. And like I said, I highly, strongly recommend it if you have not read it. But Kevin Scott, he wrote this, and this new High Republic book that's coming out in just a couple of days, depending on when 
I release this episode here, you know, the the book might already be out, but I'm super stoked to see what he does in a High Republic story, because this dude's got it, man. I think he gets Star Wars, and I'm not sure if he's written any other Star Wars books, but when I get home, I will, um, I will take a look. Hopefully my drive here has, um, piqued your interest in the book. Um, it's, it's so, it's just, it's filled with entertainment and it gives a lot of backstory to a character that, that Christopher Lee, man, just brought to life in, in the prequels, in, uh, Attack of the Clones and, and his, you know, short moments in Revenge of the Sith. But Christopher Lee, he, he rocked that part. And speaking of rock, <laughs> apparently Christopher Lee in his old age, you know, before passing, rocked out to, you know, some, uh, very interesting metal. He had his own band and, uh, I, I honestly, I don't remember how I discovered this. It was just about a week or a week, a week or so ago, you know, Christopher Lee in a band. I mean, what more can I say? YouTube that stuff. Check it out. It's, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. It's not really my, I like metal. I listen to metal, but it's not really that kind of metal. Um, it, it's, it's just crazy that this guy, and you know, I'm assuming he was pushing 90 at that point when that happened, you know, and he's doing this just wild stuff, so check it out, um, but Count Dooku, man, I, I hope I'm not the only one out there that thinks that this could be, this character needs more, some, some more background, um, he's got a couple of Padawans, uh, Count, or, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn was one of them. He had another one before Qui-Gon, who I, I think is really cool. He's very amazingly voice acted, and I, you know, in the credits, it didn't say who, in the credits for this book, at least, it didn't say who did his voice, but he's in another book, the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan book that just came out recently by Claudia Gray. But yeah, you know, Hopefully this piques your interest to, to check out the book, check out Count Dooku, or uh, Christopher Lee's metal band. I think that's going to wrap this one up, um, but s- stick around. I mean, I'm probably going to be doing these more often, and of course, obviously, you know, stick around for our weekly stuff with, you know, me and Commander Quattros, because me and him just have a blast every week when we do this stuff. So as per usual... Y'all know where to find the Clone Army Radio. And uh, thanks for checking this out. Hope you enjoyed it. So I will catch y'all next time. May the Schwartz be with you. Download episodes of previous shows. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 19 of the Pixel Perspective Podcast. My name is JJ, and as you can see, I have a couple of special guests here with me. Uh, first of all, though, let me introduce my friend and co-host, Adrian. Adrian, what's up, man? Hey, howdy, hey. Fair That's enough. That's what I say. That's... I uh, wish that hadn't happened. Uh, all right. So those of you who uh, used to listen to, or maybe you have recently discovered my old podcast, The Frozen North, uh, you will see two faces that you may not have seen except on our old website, just in picture form. Uh, if you're looking at my screen, which more than likely are, because I'm the one recording it, and that's where it's going to be coming from, you will see Brian in the top left. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, everybody, and now you all see why it was a podcast form. I have a real face for radio. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to make the joke. I knew it. And yeah. my lower left, right below Brian, uh, on the, let's just make that clear that it's on the show. Uh, Mark, Mark, what's up, man? Hey, I played a video game this year, so I was invited on the podcast. I'm... Quite frankly, I'm, disappointed. I'm just very disappointed. Was anybody just else happened. disappointed? We are. Mark, where, what are you I doing? Everybody knows why we're disappointed at what Mark just did, unless you were not a previous listener to the show um, of the Frozen North. Mark, you're just going to. Okay, we're just going to move past it. We got blank face, Mark. That's right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark. Oh, no. Is that, is that what you no. wanted me to do? No. Oh, no. Are you kidding? 100 I, episodes. I have yeah, no idea we, what you want me to do. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the ca- he completely forgot. Yeah, was, has it been that long? It's been like uh, 100 years. You remember You remember at the end of the show when we finished, like after episode 100, and I took you guys out to dinner and we went to that Brazilian steakhouse, and I was like, we should do this once a year. Get together and just... And we just haven't done it since. Yeah. Yeah. But so. I would be Although like COVID twice the so. size I am, though. But, I mean, I once a year. Goodbye. Uh, th- remember how much meat they were shoving at us, Mark? Yeah, I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, hey, what the hell have you guys been up so, to? So you're not going to do it. He's not so you're just not going to do it? I was going to save it until the very end. Out. Oh, okay. All right. uh, do we ruin it for you, or are you just saying that now because we caught you? Hey, uh, this is what Brian comedy. calls a pro gamer move. That's actually true. Actually happened last night. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What have you guys? Uh, I must say, you? look, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I must say though, I'm excited to be on the show. I listened. I was a fan of the Frozen North for like the mo- majority of the show. So it's really exciting to to be talking to you guys and to have you guys on. It's 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 awesome. And I was really excited to hear the howdy y'all. So you have to you have to give it to us at the end of the show. You have to. I'll do it. I can't believe you all forgot. Right. <laughs> I've gone through a Rolodex of all the bits. You have to understand in Mark's defense, and I am this is totally I'm being serious about this. We were the three of us were up very late last night playing Star Citizen and Mark had to be at work this morning as well. So Ooh. he is running on very little sleep and he's extremely tired, but he's still being gracious enough to do this with us. So I'll, I'll give him Much a pass. Appreciate I'm that. happy to be, I'm fucking in. So I'm energized. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't TFN. You're allowed to, we'll let those go. So it's okay. All right. <laughs> um, Brian, we'll start with you, man. What do you, what have you been up to since, uh, since TFN ended? 
Uh, so I became emperor of the world, as you can see behind me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, about that. Say, yeah, yeah, you know, big, <laughs> no big deal. Been doing the same old thing. Um, video games, work, sleep, playing with my puppy dog. Um, really, that's <laughs> much about it. Uh, yeah, I'm a lifelong gamer, so you know, you'll ask me in another 15 years what I've been up to. I'll be like, well, I've been playing games. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of video games. Will have that answer. Yeah, so well, I'm really in the 15 I, years. We're like, I'm excited for Star Citizen to come out. Of in gamers, five you know, years. I was I was thinking about this the other day. This is really funny to me, and I'm probably the only one that's going to think this is funny. But Adrian is actually a combination of all three of us, and it cracks really? me up. He plays the same games that I do, okay. so he's a fan of the JRPGs and, and story stuff. He plays just as many as Brian does, and he finishes as many as Mark does. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love it. There so, we go. That's dude, awesome. He is, the, he is the amalgamation. He's the perfect, he is the perfect, like... No, you just need like two-thirds of a video game. I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of yeah, a little bit of everything. Wow, okay. I thought, I thought that's that impressive. Fun. Those are... Those are all true, and I'm I'm proud of you for coming up with that. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. <impressive. laughs> uh, honestly, it makes me jealous in a lot of cases with the amount of games that he actually gets to. Like I I I wish that I could stay, like remember what happened in one game and then move to another one, and then be able to go back at some points. So he's able to do that. I I unfortunately cannot because my brain is just dumb. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, Mark, what you been up to, man? Man, I've been up to uh, like recently or since we since ended. Since the show ended. Since the show. You know, ended. I did that I other podcast for a while, and then I realized I don't like editing, so I stopped. <laughs> hey, I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as JJ knows, because he was involved, we just put a lot of work into making a short. I do I call it a film? A short film, I, I guess. Yeah. Which is coming out in a little while. I don't know all the details yet, but it's coming out in a little while. So that's really it. it pay it to, I, just, I will keep everybody posted. Um, I will release whatever info Mark wants me to release. Um, but needless to say, it's a project that Mark is working on uh, with his wife. And it's really, really cool. So just look for some info that coming awesome. from me in the future. Um, and yeah. So we'll leave it there for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it a comedy? Or drama? Mostly comedy. Good. Yeah. Dramedy? I love comedies. Not quite a dramedy. Okay. So most com- mostly comedy with some sprinkles. I would say of- like, yeah, like 90-10. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but it, it'll, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's fun. Um, <clears throat> well, shoot, man. What, what the hell have we been playing? Uh, who, who wants to start? We got four people here. Who the hell wants to start on what they've been playing lately? Mark? Oh, my God. Mark, what you been playing? <laughs> I'll tell you what I've been playing. I've been playing Star Citizen yep. with uh, JJ and Brian. It's been fantastic. It's uh, like you only crash mm-hmm. once or twice a day, and usually your ship doesn't blow up now for no reason. Yep. You can actually earn money. It's cool. And That's sh- what we were playing last night for what? Yeah. We played four or five hours straight? Mm-hmm. Yep. We went we went mi- surface mining on a moon. And then we did that sweet space mission where I was in the fighter in your ship and I launched out the back and then you guys fought while I flew around and fought and it was really cool. Yeah, I don't think I... So, so 
tell me this for somebody who has no idea what this game is about yet i'm blown up with messages on that facebook chat group i was gonna apologize for that it. like i think we kind of just took this over and he's just so long for oh the yeah now. i was like oh he definitely oh, I'm, turned I'm, off notifications <laughs> no it's fine but i i i'm so completely lost on whatever you guys are talking have about you not, so you're gonna have to explain what this game had is. you never heard of star citizen before heard of it okay. i know nothing about it it was promised what 2011 something like that 12 it's 12 it's initial it's initial kickstarter campaign happened in 2012 um but then they basically what happened was they they launched it with a, a modest goal um and then a release date of 2014 um but I don't know where these angel backers came from, but they blew so far past their, uh, <clears throat> like, you know how the old Kickstarter had their budget and then stretch goals? Yeah. They were on, like, stretch goal, like, 40. So Chris Roberts decided to go ahead and uh, just open up the scope. He just realized, oh, there's, like, I'm getting millions and millions of dollars for this. So it actually started uh, actual development a lot of people say it's been in development since 2012 it's not true it's actually been in development since about 2014 mm-hmm. so it that basically is literally just you're you're creating a life as a spacefarer that's it you you are out in outer space you are flying from planet to moon to space station to asteroid asteroid belt um random spots in space Hunting down pirates, uh, doing bounty hunts, um, landing on planets, exploring caves, mining in those caves, mining on the asteroids, dogfighting in space, dogfighting over a planet. You're going to massive cities on several different planets, uh, space stations that are near said planets. There's so much to it. It's unbelievable. And I still, even with how well it runs, like, and I say well in, in very loose quotes, I'm still yeah. not fully 100% convinced that it's not a grift. But damn it, if I haven't had a great time so far with it. Yeah. It's it's still a hell of a lot of fun. And if you've got a computer that'll run it, um, it's, yeah, I, man, it's, it's a I'm blast. Curious. If you have people I to just, play with. Yeah. I'm curious about it. I want to check it out. I just don't know if I have. Did you ever the time play to devote to it? Freelancer, uh, Wing Commander, any of the X-wing, Tie Fighter games back in the day? Did you ever get any I've, of those? Not, not heavily. I played them. I'm, I'm into like uh, the space shooters though. Just yeah. not, not something in. Really you ever played Mass Effect? Never. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I played all oh, through okay. that. Uh, imagine Mass Effect, but you actually get to fly your ships and everything like that. There's no loading screens. Everything I just mentioned is all seamless from place to place. Um, uh-huh. And it's like a thousand times more immersive and like, because you can go anywhere, do anything. Uh, Brian literally so has like a, a ship where he has like, there's a chess board that you can play chess on, but it also has where if you take one of the chess pieces and put it on this little slot in his wall, a little compartment opens up and then you can smuggle stuff in the ship. That way, when you get scanned by the cops who will stop you mid like quantum flight to see if you're carrying anything illegal and will hunt you down. If you are, you can hide it from them and then keep going on your way. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous how detailed this game is. Are the cops other players or are they NPCs? They're NPCs, but you can actually like be bad enough to where other players will get bounties for you. And then you get put in jail. Okay. And my God, jail is a whole other thing <laughs> that you can do. Like you literally get put into a jail cell on this space station and you can get out of several different ways. 
somebody can like you can have some people come and rescue you by they break into the freaking space station and like shoot all the guards and and you know knock them out or whatever and break you out and get you out of there or you can somehow sneak your way out and and break yourself out of there and steal a ship to leave the the station not only that though if you do that doesn't mean your name is going to be cleared so what you can also do is when you're leaving the station you have to hack into their terminals to clear your name while fighting off the other guards that are coming to after you to get you i mean it's just it's ridiculous how much there is <laughs> it sounds ridiculous and that's it why it's taking cool, so long though because they they it's it's still an alpha and it's like super super buggy like crazy buggy um uh-huh. it's more than playable i mean it's we still have a great time with it there are quite a few crashes you know occasionally and stuff but it's they focus way too much on we want to add this oh now we want to add this and make it the game possible. that's what i call it <laughs> but they need to freaking work on the bugs like i and i keep making this point like in our in our chat um and i don't want to spend the whole show talking about freaking stars <laughs> uh but could because believe me we could but i I see on their website, like they have merchandise and stuff like that. The game's not even out yet. And they're offering like t-shirts and hats and mugs and all frisbees of whatever crap they have. And I'm like, can you freaking just use the money to fix the damn bugs and make it to where <laughs> I can request a landing at a space station without my ship exploding just from the freaking radio call happened earlier today. Um, it's just, <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm just kind of like, I don't know if this will ever come out, but I can't say I haven't gotten my money's worth. Cause I definitely have. Yeah. So, you know, how, how mad can you really be? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely worth checking out. You sound out, though, very you like. excited about it. No, it's it's yeah. great, but it's these guys can tell you I've gotten extremely frustrated many times. So, it, yeah. yeah. All yeah. warranted. Yep. Star Citizen, folks. <clears throat> yeah. That's what Mark's been playing. Brian, what about oh, you? Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> wow. I, what? Are you going to double the yeah. amount of games you played? I was going to say, Whoa. I also beat uh, a game called Outer Wilds. Uh, a while back, and it's one of my all-time favorite games. It's incredible. And I would wow. tell anybody to check it out, give it a try. Yeah, I would say that's the game that came out at the same time as Outer Worlds, and I was yeah. not able to distinguish between the <laughs> yes. two. I played Outer Worlds too. Naming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were uh, the same thing for a while. Yeah, the unfortunate yeah. naming. Yeah, Outer Wilds is. Uh, it's definitely one that I just have to think of. Go play it. Yeah. Go play it and experience it. Cool. Mark, is that is that it? That's all I need to get into. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what about you, sir? Uh, we've already gone over Star <laughs> Citizen. I have been playing that with yep. you guys. Um, I'm the unfortunate soul that's got $1,200 into that, back into that game, so I, I like to Sherpa people that's along. That's so crazy. <laughs> but uh, you were doing $10 a month for a while, though. Right. Yeah, I did subscribe for a little bit, um, and yeah. then also I, I ended up. Uh, my, my goal was when I started back in the project was to stop at a thousand. I ended up going a hundred and uh, about eighty dollars past that, which uh, it is what it is. I haven't spent a dime on it in, in a couple of years now, though. So, but uh, on on a different note, uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, I am almost done with three, uh, so I'm almost wrapped that up, and that's really all I have been playing lately. Um, I've been doing basically getting my space fix. So Mass Effect 3 Legendary, or Mass Effect Legendary Trilogy, and then uh, Star Citizen on the side. Solid. Okay. Yeah. Adrian, what about you, sir? Well, um, I finished Resident Evil 8, and uh, that is a fantastic Resident Evil game. Um, It's up there as one of my favorites, for sure. It takes everything that was great about 7 and makes it better. So... 
There's not much you could say about it uh, other than that. Like, it takes the ridiculousness of four, meshes it with the gameplay of seven, and it just it's just constant things coming at you. You know, like, if, if you've ever played four, I know, JJ, you haven't played it yet, but on Resident Evil 4, they've got all those crazy... Um, enemies and bosses and things like that and there's always something new coming at you and it's a real fast paced game that's how 8 is to the extreme you are moving from one area to the next area and there's they're all themed differently and there's a boss at the end of it that matches the theme and it's it's incredible it's one of those games that you just can't put down and I, I loved every minute of it a lot of twists and turns story wise too so be ready for that Brian, have you played that one? Beaten it, yep. Yeah, yep. what'd you think of it? You like it? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, the pacing was almost perfect. Um, yeah, it was. I didn't like a few of the areas, um, but my, my only gripes about it were a few just classic Capcom tropes. Um, other than that, it was, seven was a little bit too much horror for me when I played it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they kind of hit a good balance in, in eight. So I prefer eight. I, I would prefer them to do more eights than sevens. So yeah, back on the right track for me, for sure. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. yeah seven was a scary game. It was hard to play because it was so scary. And you, you could like um, see what they were doing. It was when VR was big and they were like, well, let's make a really scary VR game. And yeah, as much as I love, they did as much as I love resident evil. It's not, I just, it's not a horror game in that sense where it's like, it's campy. It's supposed to be campy. It's supposed to be kind of yep. out of this world. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. It was a great game. Um, other than that, uh, let's see. Man, I've just been playing lots of things here and there. I've been doing a lot of game hunting lately. And so anytime I find something new, I'll, I'll pop it in and play it for an hour or so at night and uh, go on to something else. I, I don't have anything that I'm fully committed to at the moment, uh, except for maybe Wild Arms, Alter Code F. I'm still whittling my way through that game yeah. it's gonna be a tr- a slodge um i i need to get so i set up this <clears throat> way to stream from my pc to like an ipad or something so i could play it as i'm winding down because that's how i like to play um and i found some pretty cool apps that uh will sync up to my nvidia card and allow me to stream so that's neat. i've got my uh I've got Alter Code F running on an emulator and just streaming it to my iPad while I'll play it. So it's cool. Cool. Um, yeah, nothing nothing really major. I did beat, finally, finally beat um, Phoenix Rising. That oh, game okay. took me about yeah. six months to get through, but I finally got <laughs> really? through it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a large game. I, I, the way I play games is... You know, I'll play an hour or two here and there, and then I'll move to something else and I'll come back to it. I, it's rare that I play a game and just stick with it entirely and not play anything else. So it's it's not uncommon for a game to take me six months to a year to get through. I have to apologize. I thought you were referring to a game called Advent Rising. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Why would someone play Advent, Advent Rising? I want to get it and play it now. Why though? There's no sequel coming, and that cliffhanger at the end is just like it just ruins. And it. the whole game's broken. I hearing that. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Cool. No, you're good. Advent. Rising. What about you, JJ? Uh, several things. Um, I finished from the list. My list of twenty games for the year. I finished uh, two more. 
Um, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater is officially done and in the books. Um, loved the story. Loved the characters. But I was not crazy about the gameplay. Um, and it honestly isn't even because I was, I was talking to Brian about this the other day. It's not even necessarily because of, I'm not crazy about stealth games. Um, it's more because there was so much cinematic stuff in there and so much story that it was almost like playing a Telltale game in, in, a, in that respect where I'd be watching a cutscene for, you know, half hour or so. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, crap, now I have to play, uh, you know, kind of one of those things. <laughs> And I was just really invested into what was happening, and then I'd have to go through the areas and be like, oh, okay, okay, fine, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, overall it was okay. Um, I'm not. The more games in the series I play, the more I realize I'm not a huge, massive it's Kojima not for fan in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I could see the genius in there, and I think it's really, really creative in a lot of in a lot of areas. I just don't know that it's necessarily for me. Um, but considering four is the only one I have left to play. I'm gonna oh, get ready for that. Okay. A lot of cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> if you think three had a lot Great. of cutscenes, four just oh boy. is nothing but cutscenes. <laughs> awesome. Um, I also finished Suikoden Tactics on PS2, uh, which I wow. thought was a prequel to four, but it actually takes place in the beginning before four, and then there's a jump where it goes to afterwards. <clears throat> um, so it actually. Hmm for the most part takes place after four, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, because, and I was really glad about that. Cause I was like, man, I, I would rather play whichever game takes place first chrono- uh, chronologically. But uh, the fact that you can load your save file over to, you know, tactics from Sweden and four means I have to play in this order. So I was a little worried about that, but then it, it worked out and my God, if you have a Sweden and save uh Sweden and four save and you get to bring your character over, it's, the game is a joke after that. He's stupid overpowered. Anyways, um, Sweden's great series. There wasn't enough characters in that one. They did not have 108. It was only like 65 Shame. or something like that. Shame. Keep so, going down. I know. It's really Keep going really down sad. those characters. Get this guy out but, of here. Get down. Get down there. I am so, because I played it, I'm so excited to play Suikoden 5. I cannot wait to get into that game, um, you know, in the coming months or next year, whenever I get to it. Um, soon as possible, hopefully. Um, and then... Lately, obviously, Star Citizen, um, and I've been playing, uh, I have been playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate on the PS5, which, if any of you know, that is one of the few games on the PS5 that doesn't run very well, um, but I'm like, I don't want to hook up my PS4 just for this, so my strategy was to just go in, run through the game, just do the main story missions, and call it. Problem, though, is that Honestly, it's really not that bad. Like the only issues issues that are there is lighting. There's like some buildings will blink at you a little bit and there's some graphical issues and everything. Gameplay is still smooth as hell. The cutscenes all work fine. Everything plays and and runs well. And I also really really like it. Like it's really good. And I'm just enjoying the whole like gang aspect of it and you just like at the end of conquering an area, you have a big old gang fight and stuff and it's just such a blast to play. But I really am super excited to get into Origins afterwards. Super stoked to finally get to that one. Because um, that's when the you know the big RPG-style open-world ones uh, started up. Um, yep. So And then uh, Final Fantasy XIV, I've still been playing quite a bit of that. I've been doing actually a ton on that game. Um, and I, I'm really, really still enjoying the hell out of it. I love that game. Leviathan server, anybody <laughs> please? Hi. Uh, but I, I yeah, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Um, finished a few. And, uh, yeah. 
Looking forward to. to I know we're on. well past Suikoden and Tactics, but I have yeah. a couple questions for you on that game. What's up? How long is it? First of all, uh, I think it took me about thirty hours. Okay, and so that was with uh, quite a bit of grinding too. Is it? Yeah. I'll, I'll, how deep is the combat? Because oh, I'm looking not. for a good strategy or tactical. Oh, okay. It's not. Have oh. you ever played Shining Force? Yeah. It's about that deep. About like that? Yeah. Okay. And I'm it's looking about for that something forgiving deep, too. Like, like if you die, you it? you know you you can start the battle over. You keep everything, you, you, all the experience and stuff. Um, it's it's not like yeah, it's it's pretty pretty simple. There's not a lot of depth to it. There is some, but it's not like it's not like Final Fantasy Tactics deep. Uh, but the yeah, yeah. Do you have a, a good, well-rounded cast of not not characters but jobs? Uh, there are no jobs in that game. It every character is different. So there's like 65 characters. Each of them have their own different style. They're they're you know you're gonna have spear users and like people who throw knives and bow users, swords. Um, everybody's a little bit different, uh, and they all have their own special abilities. Not to mention, if you know Suikoden, you can equip runes to people. And you have abilities with that. You're also manipulating the terrain that you're on as you play, um, which is kind of a neat aspect. Honestly, like, yeah. I'm saying, I feel like I'm saying quite a bit, but it's really, really like basic when you actually get into it and start playing it. So, I don't yeah. know, Mark, have you played Tactics? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because he hated four. Don't That's ask him if yep. he's played the game. No, but it's sweet. I played so, five. You know. He sounded so offended. Yeah, right. four made me mad, and yeah, I wanted more no, of the harmonious storyline. I wanted to go into the future, not the past. Understandable. The, Tactics does mention it because the the main character uh, and his his crew that he's with, his father actually came from uh, up north, oh. um, from mm-hmm. there. So there there are quite a few references uh, to that. So I don't, but I mean you're not playing there, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the character thing. A tactics-based game seems like the perfect game to have 108 no characters. No way! In a it game does. like that, where the biggest battles, you have 12 members in your party that are fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty damn you know solid to to pick from. But I just can't give yeah, can't I back it. I guess too many characters, man. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So. You know, we're, we we got a couple of things on the docket today. We actually are going to kind of structure this a little bit like our old TFN episodes <laughs> as well. Um, so, and I, I sent in your notes, so you got those sitting in front of you. I'm sure that brought back a whole bunch of feels, didn't it, guys? Come on. It did for the me. Feels. Typing them up. That's for sure. It did. Um, this, is, this is so new to me. I'm. This is like foreign, foreign land. <laughs> yeah, this is literally notes. what we used to look at. Uh, only JJ's <laughs> gone into the color coding uh, I, aspect yeah. of things. I mm. used to print them out and give them to him uh, right. back in the day. Um <laughs> So what we would usually do is we would actually have Brian do the news. We're not going to mess with that. Oh, I don't even really care. Uh, Brian, what's the news? Well, there's a lot of games come not coming out anytime soon. So buckle down. <laughs> Save some money. So I know how we can transition, though, to our first topic. What we would typically do on the Frozen North is we would do a topic and have a discussion, and then we would follow it up with a top five list that we would choose. Just a random top five, completely arbitrary, whatever. In the very beginning of the Frozen North, I've been going back and listening to our old episodes all the way through, and I'm in the like mid seventies right now, so I've listened to quite a few of them again. Um, we like the first few episodes. I was like, I want to get some transition noises. You know, I want to. I don't just don't know what I want to put in. So when we go to a new segment, we're gonna like make a noise, and it's gonna like play when that goes on. So, but until we do that, we'll just make the noises with our mouth. And so we just make <laughs> random bullcrap noises. 
And that literally stuck through all 100 episodes that we did. We just never got any actual things. So, Brian, why don't you give us a noise that uh, represents E3 2021? Uh, yeah. Accurate. Yeah, I, I Accurate. wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's not feeling that. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're not going to do like a massive deep dive or anything into E3. Um, it's, you know, for one, it's like, what, three at this point, three, four weeks behind. Um, so yeah. most of you guys know what it's been, um, what's going on. If you watch my channel, I did a video where I talked about uh, a bunch of stuff and also did another video um, last week where uh, I talked about Square Enix. And that was really I was really out of breath after I finished filming that one. Um, so. But these guys haven't seen it yet because when we're recording this, that video will be out tomorrow. But um, it's it is quite the quite the journey into despair. I can hear um, it now. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I figured we could at least like talk about like anything that that stuck out to us, anything <clears throat> we're looking forward to, anything that disappointed us, um, as well as like what we thought of E3 being in this digital format, not having Sony there. Um, and everybody kind of like taking a cue from Nintendo, you know, most of them because they're forced to because of, you know, Corona and stuff. Um, but like being like, hey, we're doing an online presentation and just do that. Um, so anybody want to throw out any thoughts that they have so far on there? Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Uh, I love that it's all online. <laughs> uh, I love that I can just queue it up and play it at 2x speed and skip through everything and just see the stuff I actually want to see. So for me, because I'm... I'm not soaking it all in. I'm just skipping through to find the highlights. It works. Yeah, you could have fine. done that before too. Well, but nevertheless, I guess for me, okay, it, it makes no difference. How about that? That's less interesting though. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. <laughs> Jesus. Classic Mark. No, I, I'm. Uh, because that that was my first thought. It was like when they said they were going to this all digital format, I was like, what really is the, the big difference? Like before, you know, if you miss the presentation live, you just watch it later anyways. Um, and, you know, most of the time you're watching from your computer, even if it is live. So what the hell's the big difference? But then I went and it was kind of like if you're there and you feel the energy and, and all that stuff, um, knowing that that isn't happening and that people aren't going to get to experience that in the future did have a little bit of an effect on me. Um, and kind of, I don't know, Adrian, you've been to one as well. Did you kind of feel the same way? Honestly, um, this, this E3 was kind of, it just, it just went right past me. <laughs> I, I, I missed pretty much everything. Uh, I caught up on the announcements after the fact, or as they were being made through Twitter. Uh, but honestly, I was not interested in the first day. It was, it was what it, Ubisoft and, and, uh, Gearbox. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then Square Enix was the next day. I was, I didn't watch those, and I wasn't really enthused enough to watch the rest of it. You know, so I, I missed out on the Xbox One, um, which I hear is probably the better better one of the Microsoft One is my favorite, probably. Nintendo's was also really good, but those those two beyond that, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, and I got the I got I went and watched the trailers and saw the announcements, and and I was kind of okay with that. Um, I wish there was more to look forward to yeah. and, but it just wasn't for me. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it from the get go. Let's just say that. Sure. I, I'm curious as to what you guys thought of, because I honestly like 
I forgot to mention this game in my video that I did, um, but Elden Ring. Everybody's been looking so forward to that. Yeah, Everybody, that's... like, when they when it got announced, um, everybody was freaking out about it, and the trailer got played, and the, the streams that I watched, people were still, you know, going nuts about it and everything like that. Not to the degree that the game I was looks expecting. Incredible. I thought it looked kind of bland, quite frankly. No. I thought it was, oh, like, just, okay, so... so Dark Souls. That's it. That's all I'm seeing. <laughs> that's like, all I yeah, need that's to all see. To that's all I need to yeah. see. Yes. Right. No, I know, okay. but it just seemed very, very just samesies to me. I didn't think anything like, I have yeah. to play this before I play Dark Souls 3. Like, me, I'm just like, I still got Dark Souls 3 to play, and that seems just as good as this. So so for the people like me who are diehard Dark Souls fans, played through all of them multiple times, like, just to see them still carrying that on and still releasing new things that look and feel the same, like... I, I I've never played a game series where I never I, I don't feel like I can get enough of it. I'm always excited for the new one. I'm always excited yeah. to play the new one. And this one was just it was so Dark Souls extreme, um, but you know it just it looked a little bit different. And I get excited about the atmosphere. I get excited about the character designs, the the world style. Like the, those things to me are what really really excite me. Sure. So seeing that coming back. Uh, is just super exciting to me. I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah. That was the big the big thing for me for E3, for sure. I've watched that trailer several times. That was now, like one I'm, of the I'm first stoked. things announced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all right, E3 is done for me. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brian, I know you were really excited about Starfield. Uh, what did you think <laughs> about... Uh... <laughs> Couldn't even keep going with a straight face. Yeah. Uh, no, I give... Um, so, first of all, I've never really put much stock into E3. Um, I never, I've never had the desire to go back when it was a, a thing. My biggest issue with E3 has always been like I don't really care about a trailer. I don't care about a trailer. Put whatever CG trailers are cool. Any company can do a good <laughs> CG trailer. I just want to see gameplay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I always reward the games that are actually willing to show. Hey, you know, uh, I still remember when Naughty Dog did their live gameplay demo of Uncharted Four and it broke. Yep. Uh, but I'll always accept that over, Hey, Hey, look, it's Starfield. Oh, cool. You put together a CG trailer and give me zero information on what the game is. You know what though? To, to, to that point with naughty dogs thing, um, in their defense. And I, I guarantee you will agree with me hundred percent on this. Yes. The video kind of like he couldn't control it because what was right. Nathan Drake was basically just standing in one spot for a little yep. bit. Yeah, for the first like 10, 15, 20 seconds before anybody realized that nothing was happening, nobody cared because they looked at it, it was like, damn, that looks good. Yeah, well, that's crap. what I'm and saying. Nobody was moving. They were just standing yeah. there. But yeah. you could see like, you know, the NPCs kind of walking around the town and everything like that. And nobody yep. gave a crap. Yeah, but that's why like Elden Ring was uh, probably one of my favorite ones that they showed because they actually showed uh, mm-hmm. while, while it was just snippets, uh, but they showed game, sure. what the game will look like in, in action, in engine, um, in game, like while gameplay was happening. Um, but that's why E3 for me, is, it, even he asked me like 12 years ago, man, eh, it's whatever. I, I don't really care. Just show me the, I'll watch the trade. I'll watch the gameplay trailers when they come out, but I've never been one for the spectacle of it. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Um, uh, I, and I, I think Adrian is just as excited as I am for uh, Forza Horizon uh, Five. Yeah, absolutely. That game looks yeah, that looks great. Man, it looks so good. I know you guys aren't like massive into, into racing games and stuff, and I still to this day 
hesitate to call Forza Horizon a full-on racing game. I mean, it is, but you do so much other stuff that it's like, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's a, just a big playground. That's all it is, yeah. and you're just driving instead of walking. Um, That's what I love about it. That's yeah. what makes that game so great. Exactly. Like, a racing game is fun, but when you're just doing a lap after a lap after a lap, you know, and do another course, it kind of gets boring. That's Forza why Horizon I have no Ford. interest in getting a regular Forza game. They announce a regular Forza Same. game, I'm like, eh, Same. I don't care. When we when we play Forza Horizon Four, I mean, we spend a ton of time just driving around and being entertained while we're looking for the ne- next race to take on. You know, it's yeah. it's a great game. It's a great game. Um, Adrian, did you get the chance to try out the demo for the Final Fantasy? Uh... I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about did it. Did you try? The game is awful. Did yeah. you try? It? Yeah, I, I couldn't get through it. Oh, really? Couldn't get through it? Oh, yeah. We're talking about uh, strange. What's the name of that game? Stranger or something? Uh, Stranger of Paradise or something like that. Horrible name. Uh, <laughs> horrible game. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very Japanese. <laughs> so, it's a story I'll, about I'll an explain angry man. what I don't like about it. Nice yeah, more. yeah, yeah. And chaos, apparently. But man, mm-hmm. that game is just, it's so generic in every way. Yep. It, it just did not appeal to me. I played it twice. Um, what you saw, did you? Because I, wow. I played it once and I was like, I can't have not liked it that much, right? Like, I can't have yeah, thought it was that bad. mediocre and dumb. And so I played it yeah, again, and I was bad. like, oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. It's it's so it's so bland. It is so yeah. bland. I mean, there's not a better word to describe it. What you saw in the trailer is what the demo is. It's yep. essentially they took the demo gameplay and made a trailer out of it. I will say I do find the concept of being able to switch jobs, like choose a couple of jobs and switch those on the fly and then use the two different play styles to play through with your character. I thought that was kind of neat. Honestly, that was probably the only thing I liked about it, though. Everything else. Well, go watch my video on Square Enix. It's called Dear Square Enix. (laughs) And I have a heart to heart sit down with them. Um, (laughs) Do you talk about Intergrade in that video? Oh, I do. Yes. Okay. Good. I do because I the stupid belt guy. Okay. You yeah. know we're just gonna. Mm. I'm excited to play it, but I'm one who doesn't ever care about spoilers, so I'll go. I'll go watch endings mm. and stuff. And so I watched. I watched what you once you got so animated about it. I went and watched the uh, what you may have been talking about, and I was like, oh yeah, I can see why this pissed him <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was having a blast up until that. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh no, no, yeah. why? Um, yeah, I, again, I'm not going to go super, super. I mean, you guys can talk about Square Enix if anybody has anything else left to say about them, but I really like, I said enough earlier today when I recorded my thing and at the end I even, you know, sent a text to you guys saying like, I'm so out of breath right now. Cause I was just, I tweeted it too. Um, I just was not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about the biggest disappointment that they had advertising all six final fantasy eight and 16 bit games. And then saying it's that, coming yeah. to Steam and, and mobile. Yeah. Yep. Like killed everybody's like hope for a Switch or PS4. Port. I will say, I will say I could definitely see that eventually coming to the Switch for two reasons. One, because it's a no-brainer. That's an easy one to just throw on there. It'd be perfect for it. If you're mm-hmm. going mobile and you've got a console that doubles as a mobile device, you, 100% that's a no-brainer. But two, they're looking at the sales of Legend of Mana, Saga Frontier and the remakes that they've been doing and they've been like way mm-hmm. higher than they expected and it's all a lot of it has been on the switch that those sales numbers have been through the roof so I would not be surprised if we do see that at some point um 
show up on there. So, so what they'll do is is three on one cart and then three on another cart, so they can get the most amount well, the, of money out of you. The mobile stuff isn't isn't a collection. You buy each game individually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just call it a collection because yeah. it's like, well, we're making them in the same style. So, you know. <sighs> it's so disappointing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I yeah, Halo. Um, getting their uh, the looks their Halo fantastic. 5. Oh man, I still think it just looks like Halo. That got me. Yeah, that got yeah. me pumped up. That got me pumped up. I watched that multiplayer trailer and it just brought back so much nostalgia for me. I I am so ready to play that. I'm still waiting for the butt on that though. Where exactly. They, how? Yeah. How they multiplayer is it? free, but like yeah, because there there's there's no way they're just going to make the entire multiplayer free. If they do, great. Oh. Don't get me wrong. But it's like it's like when people try to defend Game Pass to me. They always, always say like, well, you, you know, you pay this amount and you get all these new games for pretty much nothing. You get to play them right off the bat and everything. And then I always chime in with, but for somebody who doesn't play new games right away and waits a long time, they're out the window not when you finally it. get to them. Uh, games Pass is, yeah, not for everybody, but for yep. a person with kids, it's, it's perfect. For, yeah, I, for anybody who likes new games, quite frankly, and plays them when they first came out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think there was no but to the Halo um, multiplayer. Uh, if any of you played Warzone? Um, I think it's going to be very similar to that mm-hmm. model uh, where or Fortnite, uh, yeah, where you there's going to be a ton of cosmetic uh, mm-hmm. and like uh, I'm sure there will be a, a season pass, all that stuff uh, to monetize yeah. it. So I, I actually when they said it was going to be free, I was like, oh, they're going the Call of Duty Warzone model, um, which I'm OK with that. I am, too. I'd no, it's, okay with fine. it's totally fine. Um, I was more expecting them to say, but only for one month on weekends. <laughs> they're 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 following the they're following the uh, Activision Call of Duty model with when they released Warzone for free, um, hundred percent. That's why that's why I, how I interpreted it. I was like, oh, they're they're doing. That. I mean, we can you guys. Don't I've been have playing a, a lot of. Oh, go ahead. I've been playing a lot of Fortnite with my son, and uh, I even bought a battle pass this past week or so ago to play with him. We were having a blast with it, and it, it's fun to go through. And um, as you level up, you can buy different cosmetic things for your character with the money that you earn playing the game. So yep. you pay, you pay $8, but then you unlock by playing. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a cool model that I think really, really works well. And it's affordable. $8 is like, okay, I can pay $8 for the season. Yep. You know, I'm fine with that. It can be disagree. Done. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I just, I, as far as the way it looked, though, I, it, it looked like Halo to me. I don't. Yeah. I didn't notice. It's so Halo. It's so Halo. And not that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it didn't like. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, new stuff. Yeah. No, not really. It's they, just, um, I am not into I, the plot at all. I hope Halo Five had a garbage plot that made no I, sense I, to I, me. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, my friend like, told me, well, you didn't read the books. I like, I don't. I shouldn't have to read the damn no. books to freaking understand that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. If they I get back to the gameplay of the first one, just that sense of exploration, then I'll be happy. Agreed. Halo 4 was great. I and struggled getting through Halo 5. Um, just, they need better writers. Bottom line. Yep. I've never been a fan of the campaigns. It's always been multiplayer for me. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I like both. Well, you, you get know. it for free! Yay! Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what else like really stuck out and was like... From Microsoft? From anybody. Stalker Quite two. Frankly. Well, I, I, what was Stalker it? Two. Stalker two. Yeah, Stalker two. For yeah. sure. I, I've never I was excited about that. One. I haven't either. Uh, but again, I don't like mentioning a bunch of stuff that's just CG. Um, 
Um, well, I thought there's some gameplay in there. Ah, uh, I guess yeah, I could be you sneaky. Might be, you might be right, uh, but I, I still remember <laughs> just the campfire scene where they were just talk, two characters talking. There's some stuff uh, where like they're running through the wilderness and yeah. throwing bolts to see where the anomalies uh, are. You might, be, you might be right. Yeah, I, I am excited for Stalker Two for sure. That, 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 yeah. That's on my radar. Fair enough. What about that uh, that extreme sports downhill racing <laughs> kind of like steep? I was into that. Mm-hmm. I was into it. I would play it for, it, it, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, and then I'd be done with it. So if it became yeah. like a PS Plus title or something, I'd be absolutely, for sure. But I would not pay full price the, for that. The downhill bike uh, racing thing, just, that looked... Oh, I didn't fun. see that. I, I thought you were talking about that. the uh, snowboarding game. It's got snowboarding oh. in it, right? Yeah, it I does. think. It's a bunch, it's a, I mean, it's a bunch of just It takes me back sports. to the PlayStation 2. But it's all Battle Royale-like yeah. type. So I don't know. I mean, and then they had yeah. flying. You could fly. Yeah, wingsuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it a little bit cool. of uh, Diddy Kong racing vibes in that regard because you had people who were on bikes and stuff while other people were on wingsuits, you know, flying down in the same race, which was kind of neat. So yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah, speaking of wingsuits, um, honestly, Battlefield I thought looked really good, and I absolutely will be picking that up. Um, same. I just think that was another fantastic. CG trailer though. Battlefield. That had gameplay. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, had gameplay. gameplay. I, I noticed a lot of CG. There, I mean, there, was, trailers, there was, there was a lot of gameplay trailer there too. Was, their initial trailer was CG, but then they, they had gameplay. Yeah. Okay. Then I just watched the initial. Um, and I just the fact that when they said, like, you're going to be able to play offline with bots if you want to, because I love those games with massive maps and being able to actually explore them, which I miss from, you know, games that, that don't have that multiplayer. That's why... I, Battlefront just pissed me off so much because those were some beautiful levels in that in both of those games and not being able to play them single player with bots was was frustrating because you play online you're going to die in two seconds you know with other people and Mm -hmm. there's no way around that Uh, but if I throw like one easy bot on the other team then I can go and explore to my heart's content it's not going to matter so yeah Mm um yeah I mean Nintendo the only thing I can really even remember like Well, okay, yeah, there are Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Metroid. That was the big standout. Nah, it looked fine. <laughs> it yeah. It looked a lot like the last Metroid game, and that one, while it was pretty fun, I thought it was the controls were overly complicated. So I kind of lost interest in it. And this one looks like it carries over a lot of those same movesets yeah. from the last game. So I don't I don't know. I'm how glad they have something that. for the Metroid fans, though, because I have felt like because I'm not yeah. a massive Metroid fan by any means. And that's not because I dislike the games. I just haven't played very many of them. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's really, really just like I feel so bad when they have that series has such a loyal fan base and they have been getting screwed mm-hmm. so many times um, year after year. I think the last like, you know, E3, I can remember where uh, uh, one got announced was that sports like one where they had the teams of same as yeah. going at it on like 3ds and i'm just like oh god yeah uh so i yeah i don't know I, i'm i'm happy they're at least doing something because i know a lot of people are waiting for metroid prom 4 yeah i wish nintendo would just get right. into the current gen stuff like I, I get the switch has a lot of popularity but you know all their games look so dated i know they have good art style on some of them like breath of the wild it stands out to me as one that they fought around the limitations of the hardware but 
Like every time I see a new uh, Switch game, I'm like, by the Nintendo, I'm like, oh, yep, there's their patented same looking art yes. every time yeah. uh, with their very limited graphical prow- prowess. And I, I'm admittedly, I like brand new games. I like pushing hardware. I like, don't get me wrong, art style's very good. And when it's done right, it's like I said, Breath of the Wild showed what they could do. But like with that Metroid game, I was like, this looks like standard Nintendo. Well, they could have mm-hmm. a Metroid Prime game on the on the Switch. Yeah, they're just yes. doing something different. Yeah. No, I, they're still developing they're going Metroid back Prime to their, 4. Yeah. But again, by the time Metroid Prime 4 comes out and knowing what first-person shooters look like today, you know, by that time, the new Halo will be out. It's just not going to... It's always going to look just dated every time. Like I said, that's my only gripe with we'll Nintendo. See. It's just Maybe. Everything looks dated. <laughs> well, I think... I think- that's okay with me. I, I like the agreed, the cartoony style. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, um, but I mean, again, I get the, I get the, the mentality of wanting something new, shiny, and mm-hmm. looks great. Uh, it's just not. It, it's not that big a deal to me. <laughs> so I'm I'm really big into like when they talk about their re-releasing some old classic game or something. Yeah. I'm a sucker for those. Yep. And uh, they had they had a few of those. Uh, I can't remember. Like Fatal Frame was one yeah. that I'm excited yes. about. Yeah, that looked good. I haven't played the Wii U version, so I don't know what to expect on that. That's what I mean. That's what it is. Um, it is the Wii, Wii U version. Yeah, or the Wii U game. Uh, I'd say. So, have you played any of them? What What other ones? Yeah, I've played. I played one or two, maybe both. Okay. Um, but no, I haven't played three or or the Wii one or any of those. Uh, there was there was another one that they announced that got me kind of excited and i don't remember what it was now mario and rabbits 2 oh, oh no no i'm good i'm actually excited for that one i like i like the first one a lot. i hate rabbits as characters but the gameplay in the, that mm-hmm. game was solid that was another full-on cg trailer i think they had some gameplay yeah but i mean end, it's, it's gonna be much. the same thing as the original so yeah, we know, I, we know, I know what to like. expect yeah yeah there was a uh, they they showed uh, the new Shimagami Tensei Five. I'm yep. pretty excited about that. They I showed so. the new Smash Bros. character. Forget his name. The Tekken guy, from guy Tekken. I don't even care. Honestly, yeah, I don't care. That was a bad announcement. Yep. Uh, Breath of the Wild was too. Was the the big one for me as well. Um, so I'm skydiving a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't need a sequel to that game, so I'm interested to see. What this is like? It's gonna be it's gonna be worse than the first one. Just go into it knowing that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I I gotta say that overall, this was not like an E three to be super pumped and excited about. Um, for me, I did notice. I wanted to bring up a couple. There was a couple like really really nice artsy looking games. Uh, one of which was Harold uh, Halibut. Did you see this? Maybe it is a stop motion. Uh, video game completely shot they actually shot it in stop motion style and turned a game into it it looks like a heavily story driven game um that game looks incredible if you haven't seen that check that out there was one other one and i don't recall the name of it but it was had a flat cartoony looking style and it was uh it was a side-scrolling game and it was very reminiscent of like limbo Except for it wasn't dark. It was nice and nice and shiny and bright colors and things like that. Um, I, damn, I wish I would remember the name, but I don't. But that game looked incredible. I just remember there was a couple of standouts to me of 
original IPs that are just completely unique. And I like seeing developers try something new. Sure. And so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Yep, that's cool. a plus. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have anything to say about E3 at all? Yes. I just wasn't wanting anything to really get super stoked about this year. What do you got, Mark? Uh, what do you got? Redfall from Arcane Studio. Eh? You just want to throw a grenade at me. Okay, well, we don't know what Redfall is going to be like because it was a CG trailer. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't True, know. but I would imagine similar to Left 4 Dead ish. Yeah. Well, you're thinking of Back for yeah. Blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't Redfall like the, the vampire one, right? Yeah. yeah. You think it's also going to be like that? Yes. I think it's going to be like Left 4 Dead with vampires. Man, yeah, absolutely. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be an immersive sim. <laughs> Just telling you what I got, <laughs> the, the impression that I got from it. I want it to be like Ryan, all the, the other way? arcane games. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't, I, I don't know. It's weird to. I could be wrong. There. But that's the problem with CG trailers, though. We don't really yes. know what yes. it's going to be. They don't give you any information. They just yeah. say, yeah. okay, I, yeah. see that you, I see that your completely separate art CG team made a trailer with some of the art assets from your game. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but Back for Blood looked good, too. That I will be yeah. playing for like Left 4 Dead. show. Yeah. I'm fine with more Left 4 Dead. I, I love Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yeah, Left 4 Dead is absolutely amazing. And I am going to throw that's a, a Molotov cocktail on you. That's a really kind of a dick move. That's <laughs> fine. It's all right. And I was really disappointed that Deathloop did not show up at E3 this year. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it wasn't surprising. But I wanted to see it. I know. Isn't that supposed to be coming out pretty soon? Probably. They've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Wonder. No, Beyond Good I don't know. I heard it was. Oh, yeah. And no, nope. Beyond Good Evil 2. That was disappointing. That's like that's like five years out still. Man. I can I can relate if, on that one now because I finally it. finished it. The first one. So It's never coming out. It's a great game, isn't it? It is good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Saved page. Planet of Lana. <laughs> Planet of Lana. That's the name of the game I was trying to describe. The it's a hand drawn art style. Oh. Anyway, look that one up too. Fair enough. Okay. Um. All right. Cool. E three twenty twenty one. Meh. Ah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, everyone needed Sony. You know you can't blame them though. You know you can't blame them. We there is. <laughs> it's been hard. I mean, there was no E3 last year. Most people have been working remotely for the course of the last year. I get it. You know, I wasn't really expecting much this year. And so I'm not completely disappointed. I'm just not overly excited about anything either, other than Elden Ring. I just hope Elden Ring is more Bloodborne style uh, or Sekiro style of the, rather than traditional Dark Souls. If that's the case, I'll, I will... Be there with bells on. <laughs> bells on. Okay. Nice and fast paced. Yeah. Give me the slashy. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Fair enough. All right. So uh, another thing we are going to be doing in traditional frozen North fashion is a top five list, which is what we used to do actually for a long time. We did them every single episode. Then eventually we started doing it every other episode. Um, and it was just, we had so many lists. We actually did this one, um, on one of the episodes, but it was like, uh, things have changed a little bit. So it's, it's 
you know, and I, I always, these are, these are the kind of like topics that I really, really personally like because they're going to be, you know, they're, well, they're personal. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to get into this. We're going to be talking, you know what, Mark, give me a noise that represents your top five personally influential video games. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, 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 wow. Fantastic. That's that great. great. It, that right. works. Good transition. Works. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I'm surprised you didn't do the, the Morse code. Uh, <laughs> Not the news. <laughs> no, what was it the first time that that happened? Like, it had something to do with technology the or something. And I was like, future. Yeah, it's like, Mark, give me a noise that represents the ever changing world of technology and us moving towards the future. And you went, beep, 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 beep. And I was like, Morse oh, yeah. code? Morse, Morse code, code is not the future. Like, yeah, it was pretty good. That was running down for a long time. Uh, all right. Um, you know what? I think we should just go like how my notes are. I think we should just go down the list, keep it as not as confusing as possible. I think that's great. Um, start at the yeah. top and just go down. So, um, and again, in Frozen North fashion, if we have something that crosses over, because we do have a few crossovers on here, what we'll say is this is my number five, but it shows up on somebody else's list. So we'll talk about it then. So that's how we're going to do it. All right. My number five personally influential video game is Counter-Strike or CSGO, Ooh. as it's known now. Uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, however you want to say it at this point. I played from 1.5, um, maybe a little bit earlier. Since I was like 16, 17 years old, I mean, like half my life I've played Counter-Strike. I still go back to it every now and then. It is the one first-person shooter that I can comfortably say that I am good at, um, and I can prove it. Uh, it's it's just a blast. I know Mark, I've probably played that game with Mark out of this group more than anyone else, um, and it's just... It's the game that really, like, brought me into not only, like, taking video games seriously for a time because I played on a league and we actually went to tournaments. I even traveled down to Texas at one point for a tournament. Um, but it, it just, it was, it really, like, showed me that video games in the future are going to be, I mean, they're, it's happening now with esports and stuff, are going to be just as popular and just as watched as the big sports you see now. Football, baseball, you know, uh, basketball, that kind of thing. At some point, I, I still strongly believe that that will happen. Um, and I mean, it that game is still, you know, people still play CSGO quite a bit. It's still widely, hugely popular. Um, and it's such a great game. And I, I want to tell this story because it cracks me up. And I told this the last time we did this uh, on the Frozen North. So those of you who haven't listened to that show, um, this will be new for you. But the first time I ever played Counter-Strike or first time I ever saw Counter-Strike, I should say, involved Mark at his house. And I was sitting with his brother, and they had two computers. Mark, I don't know if you remember your old house from high school. You had the one upstairs yep. and the one downstairs. You had a friend over, and John had myself and Justin over at the time. Um, John is Mark's brother. And you guys were upstairs, and you guys were just playing one-on-one -on -one between the two computers on Counter-Strike. And I'm watching John play, and you're up there, and... This won't be as funny to everybody else, but just because I know Mark so well and because I remember it and how it sounded, it was just the funniest thing in the world to me. You know how, like, when a big brother bullies his little brother, sometimes the little brother will have, like, this, like, 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 yeah, leave me alone, yeah, like, whiny, screechy 
kind of deal. <laughs> They're playing, and John start like Mark. I don't know if he ran out of ammo or what, but for some reason he wasn't shooting back at some point. And John starts chasing after Mark with a gun. And I just from upstairs hear this blood curdling scream while I'm watching Mark's character <laughs> run away on the screen in front of me. And it was just the funniest thing in the world. And John finally kills him. And then you just, the screaming just stops and they just start new round and they go back to it. And that was my first introduction to Counter-Strike. And I had no idea that it would leave such an impact on me to this day, but I still, again, it's still a game that I go back to and I love Counter-Strike so much. It is, it is one of the best games I've ever played because it's so balanced and just a really, really fun time, especially if you like structure in your uh, your shooters. There's no sitting and ducking and recharging your shields bullcrap. It's just you go till everybody's Shots dead. fired at Halo. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you go till till one team is entirely dead or until the bomb blows up, uh, hostages are rescued, whatever. Um, and it's just, it's very cut and dry as to what it is. Um, and I, I love it for, for, you know, that reason and so many others. So... That's my number five, uh, Counter-Strike, or CSGO. Uh, Mark, number five, sir. And my number five is, how is it pronounced? Deus Ex? Not Deus Ex. That's how you've always said it. Yeah, Deus Ex uh, 2000. This was my first foray into immersive sims, which you all know I love now. Dishonored, Prey, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, this game came out in 2000. I had it on the PC, the Game of the Year edition. Uh, and I, I just, man, that game changed how I view video games in general. Uh, mm-hmm. First mission, you just, you log in. You, you don't log in. What am I saying? <laughs> you spawn on this uh, <laughs> on this dog. <laughs> Stop That's laughing. So dark. Stop That's laughing. Never change. <laughs> You spawn it on the stock, and you find out you're at the Statue of Liberty, which has been taken over by terrorists. And it's also the headquarters of your anti-terrorist organization. So, first mission is this huge island. You can go up into the uh, Statue of Liberty. You can go over to your uh, HQ, talk to all these different NPCs, log on to your computer, and read emails. Which is pretty crazy when you think I'm coming from games like uh, Half-Life and Doom. Have a game where you can log into your computer yeah. and read yep. yeah, emails and go talk to your boss and get the mission information from him. Go flush the toilet, get yelled at because you go into the women's bathroom. <laughs> All kinds of good stuff like that. Hey, it happens. You know, you go in every room Doesn't in every happen. game. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to you. <laughs> it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> it happens. But it was just, I had never played a game like that before. Where there's so much more to it than just running through and shooting people. Yeah. And uh, I pulled a classic mark. I didn't beat the game. I got like halfway through and I stopped playing. And then I got kidney stones in high school and I was home for like a month. So I got back into the game and played all the way through it and was just super impressed. Nice. You still, I mean, yeah, and I, I know that game means a lot to you because you still. How many years later you still bring this up in, in you know conversations that we have regularly? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you still get kidney stones. I think it's why a game like Star Citizen intrigues him so much as well. Mm-hmm. I can push all the buttons, I need to push the buttons, JJ. Yes, even Mark, if I fall Mark out of your fell ship, out of my ship, uh, because he tried to use the cappuccino machine. Yes. Uh, that's what happens when you play a game in alpha. 
Yay! <laughs> uh, funny enough, he did survive the fall to the planet. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, he literally lands and he just goes, can somebody help me up? What? <laughs> All right. Cool. Fair enough. Brian, you're up. Okay, guys. Uh, my number five is World of Warcraft, the critically acclaimed MMO from Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, but one of these lovely gentlemen has it on their list a little higher, so I'm just going to default to whatever their wisdom is on it. Fair enough. Well played. <laughs> default into the wisdom. Yeah. Adrian, number five. I've got Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt. More Super Mario Bros. for me. Um, but this is also on somebody else's list, much higher up, so we can wait on that. Correction. It's just Mario Bros. I wrote down Super Mario Bros. 2 and realized that it's not on the Super Nintendo. It's on the NES. Whose list, who's, whose list could that be on? I don't know. <laughs> Mark! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, here's where we're going to start running into the doubles here. Uh, my number four is Final Fantasy VII. Oh, no. Actually, you know what? This is perfect because yeah. Mark's number we four talk as well. about it right so, now. Collaborative right effort. Now. Yeah. I was just looking at the highlights. I wasn't looking at the numbers. Uh, yeah, Mark and I both have the same number four, and that's Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Mark, what do you... You first. Well, I'll tell you what I remember about this game, first and foremost, is that we had sold... This is, I'm sorry to Adrian and JJ. We had sold every game and every piece of game hardware we owned to <laughs> Funko Land. Or wait, what, what was it called? Was it Funko Land? It was Funko Land. Yeah. Funko Land. Yep. In order to afford a PlayStation 1. And uh, one of our neighbors had Ooh. Final Fantasy 7. And I just saw some of the cutscenes in that game and was blown away. And I was like, yep, we made the right decision. This was exactly what we needed to do. Burn every old game. This is the yes. future. No. <laughs> so I was just super impressed by that. Uh, go ahead, JJ. Uh, you know what? Quite frankly, it's it's this was <sighs> growing up and being so like afraid to tell people about the kind of games I was into. Like you knew people played video games, but there was a already a stigma attached to video games in general. If you played them, people would be like, "Oh, you're a gamer. Oh, you're playing video games or whatever." No matter what you played, it didn't matter. But then on top of that, even among gamers, there was still also stigmas within that where mm -hmm. if you liked a game with swords and knights and wizards and crap, you're probably going to get ridiculed for that, too. So I didn't really tell too many people that I was into RPGs at the time. Final Fantasy mm -hmm. VII comes out. All that goes out the window. <laughs> didn't matter what kind of game you were into. That was the game to see. That was the game to play. And it blew everyone away no matter what you were into. You could have been a sports gamer, whatever. I love that. And I loved not having to work like just even if I knew somebody wasn't like typically, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to just walk up to people and start telling them, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, you should check out breath of fire or star ocean or, you know, whatever. But it was a lot easier to start a conversation when somebody said, yeah, man, uh, I played final fantasy seven. That just came out. Have you heard of it? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been playing uh, four and two before, you know, before that um, it, it's like just getting to see it become normalized. Mm -hmm. RPGs in general was was just it meant the world to me for somebody who, you know, held back and didn't talk to a lot of people about the kind of games I was into. This wasn't like something that like brought me completely out into the forefront where I was telling everybody was I was into games, but it was really, really cool to see that acceptance, um, you know, at least on the outside. 
um, and, and, and hear the stories of people who weren't normally into those kind of games finally get into it and be like, man, this is the kind of stuff we've been missing out on. You yeah. know, these, these heavy story-focused games, and, and it just is amazing. And that, that has always stuck to me, and that's why, you know, that game means the absolute world to me um, because of what it did for the gaming industry and for gamers in general, uh, especially, you know, gamers mm-hmm. like myself who, you know, uh, were a little bit closeted back then um, in that regard. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, I just remember... You know, uh, it's- having before i ever played the game myself i i had a save cartridge with a near end game save on it and i would just load that up and fly around in the airship and go see the different <laughs> weapons and try and beat them not even understanding what the game was about really just being in awe at what seemed like <laughs> somehow photorealistic graphics and just mind-boggling <laughs> visuals it's just this massive world you could explore yeah, yeah. nothing we'd seen before at the time mm-hmm yeah. This one isn't on my list, but my experience is so similar to what you explained. I vividly remember talking to a friend of mine at school, whereas before you don't talk about video games at school, not especially not in front of the girls. You know, you don't want to come off as looking like the nerd, you know, but that game, nobody cared. Like it was it was like it was the cool, hot thing. And that's when uh, all the all the closet gamers came out. So it was fun. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Brian, number four, I remember you talking about this one and I actually really like your, your reasoning on this. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, my number four, and this will all make sense when I say it based on what we were talking about with star citizen is X-Wing versus TIE fighter, um, made by the, uh, rest in peace. Well, they're not dead, but Lucas arts studios, um, <laughs> the brainchild of, uh, I think Lawrence Holland, uh, was the developer on that. That was what spawned my love for space flight sims um so i always used to play my dad didn't like video games growing up but he was wanting to become a pilot so he had the very very early versions of flight sim um and i still remember loading up in planes and flying like past the uh sears tower um in chicago all that kind of fun stuff but then my friend was like, dude, why don't you play this space game? It's like in uh, Star Wars. And that opened my mind because, you know, flying a plane's fine and everything, but, you know, it's there's not much to the imagination. You can do it in real life. Um, but with X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, you could load up into a big, big sandbox. You know, the levels were 1993 level. You know, they're not crazy. But you, I still remember the one you could put a Star Destroyer on one end uh, with TIE Fighters flying, flying at you and you could go and shoot the uh, Star Destroyer's uh, turrets and like fly along the big giant ships like hole and you could reenact the A-Wing flying into the uh, bridge. Um, if you wanted to, it wouldn't, wouldn't do anything in the game. But uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> the reason it's on this list for me is because this has actually spawned my love for uh, space flight games. Um, I've always been fascinated by space and it's kind of let me do uh, what I wanted to do, and it was very sandboxy. So, yep, cool. Yeah, awesome. Number four, Adrian. Number four, sir. Number four for me is Mega Man X or X two X series in general. Super Nintendo. Um, reason being, it was influential to me because I hadn't seen artwork like that in a game before, and the art really struck me. Um, at that time in my life. And I'm not sure why the character design of, of X, um, but Capcom games in general in that time, you know, the street fighter games, uh, breath of fire series, things like that. The artwork and the advertisements were so influential to me 
that, you know, I, it had a big bearing on how I went artistically, you know, I'm, I'm a graphic designer now. And I, I think, I think that's attributed a lot to those early art things that I looked at. Mega Man X is, is one that vividly stands out to me. Um, you know, I, I was tempted to add a bunch of other games that were visually, um, influential to me on this list but i didn't but like earthworm gym was another one that was really uh influential and honestly like the gameplay is fun i i i enjoy it but it's not so much the gameplay that gets me it's more so than the art style if that makes sense so yeah mega man x yeah, the X series in general is is really really highly regarded. Um, I know Brian's a big fan too. Uh, I, the only reason it's not on my list is because they weren't ever they weren't ever personally influential. But Mega Man games in general, I played and beat every single one of them except for those like weird 3D ones. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what were they called? Network Command Mission X Seven and X Eight. No, oh no no no. The Network series, the Net series. I can't yeah. remember that. Oh, yeah. Battle Network. Yeah, Battle Network. Oh, yeah, man. Battle Network. Yeah, but I, I, I have those. a little bit of history with that. But I played uh, yeah. all the way through X Seven, X Eight, all the all the Mega Man's. I actually used to uh, when I used to own physical games. I used to own all. I, I try to collect them because it's one of my favorite like series growing up. So yeah, Mega Man, good, 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 good. Well, I. I do remember one of the reasons gameplay wise it stuck out to me is the whole beating a boss and taking their weapon yep. and being able to use that throughout the course of the game. That was such a unique concept. You're able to do it in to it. any order you want. You're not, right. you're not, you know, yeah. beholden to the yeah. path that they set before you. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So that was number four. Number three, my number three is world of Warcraft for the PC, Whoa. which if you remember correctly is Brian's number five. World of Warcraft, man. Uh, frankly, without World of Warcraft, I wouldn't be sitting here with Brian right now. It's yeah, true. Yep. Although I like to think that maybe like fate would have a school of gamers. You know, fair enough. Mean? Yeah. But but fair enough. Fair but enough. that was what got everybody at our work talking was World sure. of Warcraft. Yep. Um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah. Really, the only reason this is on my list is because uh, it, it was personally influential in my life because it got me fired from a job way back when. Uh, <laughs> it was a old, it was a, a little small town shop uh, hardware. Oh, I was young. Um, I think this will date me a little bit, but uh, I was definitely out of college. Um, it was two thousand, well, probably seven. Uh, back when the TBC was out, the original TBC, not this new stuff that all these kids are into these days. I'm talking about the original. Okay, uh, and I just decided to. The Sunday I had to work at the small town a hardware store, uh, in my head, going to the elemental uh, cliff and farming for gold was more important than showing up to real life work and farming for money. So I no call, no showed, and they fired me. So that, that's yeah. I'll do it. I see how that's personally influential. I mean, imagine where you would be now if you hadn't lost that job. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole nother. Uh, I still remember the guy pulled me in to fire me. He was like, hey, we got to let you go. And I'm like, yeah, I figured. Thanks. Sorry. To have- <laughs> yep, I figured. So. Um, yeah. Worth it. Yeah. Honestly, this my, my top three are very, very much like a any order kind of thing. Um, especially three and two. Yeah. Uh, this one World of Warcraft is literally the game that 
turned me into who I am today when it comes to video games and how I portray myself towards other people. It's the game that made me not afraid to tell people that I play video games. I was talking before about Final Fantasy VII and how I hadn't come out of my shell even after I saw like so many other people get into it and everything like that. There wasn't that much of a push, at least in my circle, um, to where it made me want to come out and say that I was into these these games and this kind of thing. World of Warcraft, though, when I was working at a uh, at a, a hardware store, um, I Brian was there as well as we just mentioned. Uh, this is a different hardware store from the one he was talking about, which was years prior. <laughs> yes. Um, this was the following expansion during the Frozen Throne. Right. Um, but I overheard a couple of people at the place talking, and I mentioned, like, all right, I overhear, you know, like Warcraft jargon, where they're just like, yeah, well, I was in Orgrimmar, and I, uh, you know, got the new bow for my hunter, and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, I know what he's talking about. I get that. So, you know, I, I overheard it a little bit, and eventually I was able to kind of, like, strike up a conversation with uh, a guy named Chris, who worked there at the time, um, which... Also got me introduced to our friend Brandon um, and Brian, obviously, and other people that we actually got to play with us there. Um, and we, at one point, we got, we had like, I would say like nine, ten people in the store playing freaking World of Warcraft. Not necessarily all together, but we all knew that we played, so we had things to talk about. And I realized, like, these guys talk about this so easily and are able to just come out and say that they're into this stuff. They don't, that's one thing I've always envied about Brian, especially he's so unapologetically a gamer. He will flat out tell you and not have any, like you not that he should be ashamed of it by any means. That's God. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, I used to think that I had something to be ashamed of. And because I saw all these people doing this and just talking about it so openly, I realized that wasn't the case. And I was just putting this pressure on myself for no reason. And because I had world of Warcraft and I was able to talk to these people and play with them in some cases, you know, I ended up, you know, Brian and I, we had characters on each other's servers at one point, and we, you know, played with, with them, and talked shit on one while playing on the other, and, you know, and so that kind of thing, but I mean, we always had a good time, we always had conversations at work, and it was a blast, we, I mean, it got to the point where we, five of us took a week off work one day, one week, oh, man. and leveled up a party together from one to, I think we got to like 70, just spent the entire week just playing this game and, and leveling. And it was so much fun. It was a blast. So many inside jokes and ridiculous stories to come out of that. I would love mm. to do like a whole recap of that at some point, uh, oh, but it man. was, it was so much fun. Uh, we called it wow week. And since then we've done a handful of what we call geekends where we just, uh, you know, land parties basically at somebody's house. Um, but without world of Warcraft, I would not be as unapologetic as I am now. I realize it, it makes me kind of sad because how many people, did I miss out on becoming friends with prior to that because I was too afraid to say something because I was too ashamed of what I was into for no reason at all. You know, it's like if you meet somebody, you tell them you're into gaming. Granted, now is a lot easier to do so than 20 Definitely. years ago. Yeah. But at the same time, like, who knows? There still may have been people back then who were just as afraid as I was and were just waiting for somebody mm -hmm. else to come out and say, hey, I'm into gaming too and whatnot. And because of World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. I, you know, I am the picture of unapologeticness that stands before you today um, and I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me in the slightest i will tell the biggest video game haters in the world yeah man i play it it's a freaking blast and i will never stop because it's amazing to me and it's done so much for my life um so that is my number three personally uh most influential game um world of warcraft love it you're here yeah uh mark number three I'll tell you, I've realized I'm 
just saying how games influenced my perspective of what a game could be and not how That's it influenced fine. me as a person. So I kind of... But, but it's influencing what you perceived a game could be. So yes. it is influencing you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. So, yeah, you're good. <laughs> uh, so Half-Life 3... Or, my number three is Half Life. Confirmed. We what did it, guys. Confirmed. We did it. I knew there was a reason we were having the what back. What do you know? I knew it. Are you are you on the inside, Mark? I oh man, wish I wish it was Half Life. That was 3. the project he was talking about earlier. That's yes. Right. Half Life Three is going to be a thirty-two minute long video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So no, it's uh, it's Half Life from 1998. Which uh, when I think back to that time, I'm thinking games like uh, the original Doom, games like GoldenEye, which those are the games were- that I associated with FPSs before. Oh, Half-Life. I was like, eh, yes. you're about a decade. No, Duke Nukem. <laughs> but those are the ones that I would played a lot. I got, and, I got, yeah. I first said Doom, I was like, no. Got some janky environments and you're running around with guns and you're shooting enemies that run into the room stuff like that uh, and then suddenly you have Half-Life which is this huge Black Mesa facility all these different kinds of guns that act completely different and uh, one of the things that blew my mind at the time the little things, these things are nothing but you could go talk to the security guard and have him follow you and he'd be your buddy and he'd shoot enemies for you so you didn't feel as scared this is a freaking scary game. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to keep those guys alive as long as I possibly could. But the thing that was mind-blowing about that game was also, like, one of the first FPSs I played where there's stuff like the blast chamber with the giant uh, tentacle razor guys. Yep. That you can't fight them. You just have to distract them by making sound, yep. throwing grenades, and then running through, dealing with sort of complicated puzzles with fan systems and stuff. And uh, later on, the giant enemies that you have to like get to a command center to strike with a missile strike. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just these really interesting uh, departures from running and gunning, which is what gaming, uh, FPS gaming had been before this, along with also like some of the best, the clearest environmental storytelling that had been in an FPS to that point. Because, I mean, sure, GoldenEye's pretty good, but <laughs> you have to admit, it was confusing and hard to follow the plot in the game. It was just the plot of the movie. Yeah. yeah, he, gamified. yeah. he went level by level. So right. Just, yeah. no, if you, you hadn't seen the what? movie, it was... <laughs> and I hadn't seen yeah, the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you hadn't seen the movie, movie you're probably no. like, what is happening? Like, oh, we're on this boat now for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just the level of polish, the level of immersion that was in this game was outstanding and you wouldn't have uh counter-strike or classic which were yep. i god i put probably weeks we played months. so much team fortress man mm-hmm. back in the day oh my gosh that is such a still yeah so many great memories with that game for me that yeah. like that time period that couple of years is as nostalgic as anything yeah. i can think of in movies gaming whatever just this you get this one game, and now you have all these games, and you can download weird maps with like 100%. all kinds of crazy stuff in them. Just this uh, like tinkerer's perspective on video gaming. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Half Life, 
Yeah, revolutionized first-person shooters, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. All right. Brian, number three, sir. Hi, guys. <laughs> my number three. Uh, my number three is a nice animated point-and-click adventure by the mind of Tim Schafer. Uh, LucasArts again, Rip. Um, Day of the Tentacle. So Day of the Tentacle. I've beaten it. Uh, and what'd you think? Uh, oh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine playing that in the 90s. Um, that yeah. I, I, The reason it influenced me was because before Day of the Tentacle, um, I, so one of the reasons why I'm not afraid to be like, I'm a gamer, I've always been a gamer, is I've always grown up, I grew up even as a young kid around all my friends had games. Their older brothers had games. Their, everyone was a gamer were in my little circle. I remember my best friend at the time when I was in elementary school, an older brother in high school named Devin. And he had a computer with DOS. You could run those EXEs from DOS. And Day of the Tentacle was one of them. And I didn't realize that you could play a cartoon. It was my child mind was like, I can play a cartoon? It was essentially what it is. You're playing a Saturday morning cartoon, very adult, raunchy Saturday morning cartoon, but <laughs> uh, had never played something so funny to me um, as a you know 10-year-old kid. Uh, as I did Day of the Tentacle. So I, forever that that fostered, it grew my understanding of what games can be um, and honestly set that little seed in my brain of story in games being a thing. Because before then, I just game, game stories didn't matter to me. I just wanted to play shoot. I wanted to play Doom and shoot the demons, right? I didn't care about mm-hmm. why, more or less, just was doing. So yeah, Day of the Tentacle was like set that... It was that little seed in my brain that, like, games can have very good stories and entertain you without having... Because it's a point-and-click adventure, so there's no gameplay uh, to it. It's it's literally just watching on the screen, pointing on stuff, and watching the, the action happen. So, yeah. Did, did you tentacle. ever play Maniac Mansion? Oh, yeah. Yep. I Like the uh, original? Mo- yep. Monkey's Island. Uh, I played almost all the King's Quests. There's, there's something I was curious about. I, I've been meaning to ask you this, um, but... In the, I played the PS4 remaster of Day of the Tentacle. Right. And in that game, you can actually go in and there's a computer terminal in the game that you can go and play the entire original Maniac Mansion game. Right. Was that in the original as well? I don't believe so. Um, okay. If it was, I never, I never noticed it. But no, that, back then games, I still remember games within games wasn't a thing. I mean, we were still playing on DOS at the time, sure. so there was really no way to launch two games at once um i if i'm wrong uh, i i may have been uh, again i was very young when i first played day of the tentacle but i still haven't played the remaster um i thought it was a neat touch <laughs> yeah awesome. I, I i still haven't played the remaster i i it's on it's on one of my thousands of steam games that have yet to be played um i'm turning I'm through them but like i said i like to play new stuff rather than old stuff i i, I don't yeah. feel nostalgia the way a lot of people do so uh but that game definitely influenced my gaming uh uh, persona. Cool. All right, Adrian. I'm actually kind of. I would have guessed this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am too. But I had to do some some real thinking to try to think of games that influenced me in different ways. And uh, so my number three is Pokemon Silver, and I'm specific to Silver because that's the first fully fledged Pokemon game that I played. Um. The reason that's on my list is because, you know, I'm a collector. Obviously, you see what I, what I got behind me. You know, I'm, I'm very big into collecting things. 
And the concept of collecting monsters or little Pokemon to, to battle for you was the most appealing thing to me at the time. And I was, I was older when the Pokemon series came out. So I was in high school when it came out and I, it, I knew it was a kid's game and I knew that I wasn't supposed to play it because playing video games in the nineties were already frowned upon like uh, JJ already went into detail <laughs> about. And so um, I remember my brother got Pokemon yellow in a game boy color and I wanted to play it so bad. And I did, I got to play it a little bit and uh, it was just so appealing to me having this collection game on a handheld system. And uh, I think it actually showed me like games could be in depth and fun on the go. And I'd always wanted to have that experience, a handheld experience. And I think handheld gaming is, is still my favorite way to game to this day. It seems more intimate to me and more personal. And I can just, I can focus in on it. You know, like people have their phones now. I was excited to have my, my little Game Boy system. So why silver? I bought uh, a Game Boy Advance, I want to say. Maybe a big Game Boy Color. I don't remember, um, but I did have a system and I bought Pokemon Silver, used copy of it, and I was married at the time. And I just remember playing that game obsessively uh, with with my wife. Just, you know, she would do her thing, read a book or something. And I'd be play, playing Pokemon Silver. And then Pokemon Coliseum came out on the GameCube and the concept of carrying over my Pokemon to the to the GameCube was so appealing and uh I don't know. It was just, it was influential to me because it showed me that I guess mostly the handheld, the handheld stuff. Sure. I think that is the, that is the introduction to handheld stuff to me. And Not it's to mention still a my preferred big way to game for a handheld too. Like back then, you know, yeah. you had like, handhelds for the most part were just side scrollers and not super deep and everything like that but the pokemon games were massive um and they really showed what you could still do with a handheld and keep people immersed i really really you know i I dig it it was i was already into jrpgs and stuff at that time and so the idea of having a jrpg that i could take with me was was super appealing for sure cool yeah all right brian you ready for this Go. You go, baby. <laughs> Brian and I have the same number two. Um, I will Good go one. first and because you are the you recently played it and you're you're the bigger fan out of the two of us, but still super influential for me nonetheless. The Mass Effect series. Um My God. I kick myself when I think about how I first reacted for playing the first game. Um I remember putting it in before we started, this was before we started TFN back in the day, I had heard so much about it and how great it was and how amazing it was and that it had some RPG elements and all this stuff and everything. And I was like, it's just a dude with a gun in space. It looks dumb. It looks like just another freaking stupid shooter that I don't care about. I don't care. Dumb game. <laughs> and I had no interest in playing it. But since it was so popular, I was like, fine. I found it really cheap. I'll play it, I guess. Sure. So I picked it up. I played a little bit of it. I got to the Citadel and I was like, this is, there's so, this is so big and I'm so bored right now. And I just don't, it's not for me and I don't want to do it. Then we started doing the show and we said, we're going to review the first game of the Mass Effect series. And because of the show, because of the pressure I had, you know, put on myself to be like, you said you were going to do this. So you're going to do it. I was like, all right. So I forced myself through the Citadel and then I didn't need to force myself at all for two more games after that. Um, <laughs> the Mass Effect series blew me away. 
not only did it blow me away, but it taught me that I need to not judge games based on what my initial perception of them is, um, which is why I'm still going to check out Elden Ring. Um, but I, I, I would not have branched out into other games that weren't JRPGs if it hadn't been for this series and for it, it hadn't been for it to teaching me that lesson. Up until then, I was Final Fantasy, I was Star Ocean, I was Breath of Fire, I was any game that had swords and knights and magic and dragons and that kind of thing. And if it didn't have any of those those things, I was like, meh, meh dumb, I don't care, it's stupid. <laughs> and then I played this and I was like, oh my god, I'm missing out on so much, what the hell? And honestly, this also transformed the Frozen North, because if you listen to the first few episodes, you're like, oh, we're talking about story-focused gaming. And yes, Mass Effect's a story-focused game, but you kind of notice a shift after we play the first one of this, and especially after we do two and three, where we just start talking about other games that aren't necessarily as story-focused. Um, and we kind of just open it up to gaming in general, because so many games have so much to offer. It was It felt like a crime to just diminish it just to you know, one specific avenue of gaming when there were so many other aspects of it that we enjoyed. And Mass Effect really just showed me that I need to freaking expand my horizons and open doors to new experiences. Um, and I, I love it to pieces to this day. I absolutely plan on playing the remastered versions um, as soon as I get the time. Because um, I know once I start, I'm not going to want to stop until, you know, all three are done. That's, you know, the, the uh, uh, time warp that we mentioned is, yeah. you know, you play and you think you've been playing for an hour when six have gone by. It's one of those. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I could gush about the Mass Effect series all day, but it, it completely changed who I am as a gamer and what I play. So I, I, you know, yeah, it's great. Uh, Brian, you, sir. Yeah. So, so remember, uh, rewind your brains for a few minutes. Remember when I said the seed of storytelling gaming was planted, uh, the day I played day of the tentacle back in early 1990s. Well, I then became, I then fell back into my bro gamer ways. Uh, what a bro gamer is, is I just want to shoot stuff, multiplayer. Uh, I got really into land parties, uh, which featured Unreal Tournament, Quake, uh, Jedi Knight, weirdly, um, uh, Counter-Strike. And then Halo came out, and I played Halo, the, the, the campaign, and I was like, eh, I don't care about the story, just let me shoot stuff. We, then we'd hook up yep. land and play land halo uh, original halo in the early 2000s um and it wasn't until i was living with my friend matt and i still remember it to this day he was playing mass effect and i knew it was j just released for the xbox 360 am i wrong no it was the xbox no, I think you're right no it was xbox 360 yeah it was very it was a very early xbox 360 game um and i remember hearing about it and looking at it and i love space uh, i'm a space nerd so it already kind of perked me up. But then I remember he was in a dialogue tree with a, a character. And I was like, he was, dude, this game's awesome. You got to play it. And I was like, no, look, you're talking, you're sitting there talking in, in a dialogue tree. I, where's the shooting? Where's the cool spaceships? <laughs> so it was a couple years later that I finally picked it up. I was like, whatever, I'll, I'm bored. I'll play this. And boom, that seed of storytelling in games developed into a big old flower. And I became a fan of storytelling games um, again. And it kind of like it steered my uh, gaming love in a direction um, away from. So I still get urges to play Call of Duty and uh, a uh, Apex Legends and stuff like that um, for my competitive side. But in large part due to Mass Effect, I've shifted to more enjoyable 
story rich full games um as opposed to just being a bro gamer that's that's so funny to me that like we look at the same game and how it impacted us in those that complete opposite way like i thought it was way too much of a shooter looking game and you thought it didn't look enough (laughs) of a shooter game dialogue trees what is this (laughs) guns what the heck (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah i mean it's my lightsaber uh, it's so good right um yeah man mass effect is if you haven't played the map this is the perfect time to jump into it with that trilogy do it you'll you'll thank me later and one's a lot um, less janky now, which uh, I, I usually skip the one when I replay. But uh, yeah, one's a lot easier to get through now. Cool. Uh, Mark, number two, buddy. I need to th- uh, put my cat outside really quick. Oh, no. Yeah, Adrian, why don't you go ahead and do your number two then? Hold up. Hold well, up. Oh, okay. okay. You right. saying. <laughs> <laughs> outside. <laughs> I should leave all of this in. When he gets when yeah, he gets yeah. back, let's just uh, act like we were. Um, sorry, what I meant. That's my number what, one. What, uh, yeah, so, sorry, what I, what I meant to say was I need to tell that forklift driver to keep it down. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, my number two is Star Ocean till the end of time. Anyone gonna? <laughs> that's why you made us wait. You wanted to make that joke. You bastard. Okay. I, no, my number two is Final Fantasy three, as we called it back in the day. Uh, Nowadays, we know it is six. If you have listened to Frozen North, you've probably deduced this by now, but the two main reasons I play video games are because it's neat or because it makes me feel something. And I think with Final Fantasy 1, it was neat. I certainly wasn't being moved to tears or anything in Final Fantasy 1. I didn't have like a real connection to the characters yeah. or anything. But with Final Fantasy 3, we got the SNES again by selling everything we owned <laughs> to Funko <laughs> Land. <laughs> uh, when we got Final Fantasy 3, we loaded that up and it was just like right from the start. It's at least to a kid, it's almost Shakespearean storytelling. These incredible characters, these deep backstories and heartbreaks just throughout the entire game. Really inventive stuff happening yeah. in it. I mean, that's, we've talked about it so much over the years, but it really was well, just like probably the first time I really, really felt something from playing a video game. And then I started chasing that feeling for a long time after that, which is why I played star ocean till the end of time. And it's my all time favorite game. 40 chess. Mm-hmm. When you it made have, me when feel you have... your rage and I loved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you have a cast of characters like that, that's that diverse. Um, and each have their own specific backstory. Like, I know we joke about, you know, 108 and in and, and all that stuff like that, but Final Fantasy 6 was, or 3, uh, was the first game that, you know, obviously, again, my favorite game of all time, hands down, I don't know that it will ever be dethroned, um, but it really, it was the first time that I played a game where I had, 
I could pick and choose who the main characters were as I played along, and I could learn about them as I was going through this massive adventure. Um, mm-hmm. And I got attached to every single one of them, and I wanted to play with every single one of them. You know, um, I it just really, really felt like you were among friends when you were with yeah. this cast. Yeah. Um, and I it's still, to this day, I have days where I will just randomly think about you know, Locke and Realm and, you know, Strago and Umaro mm-hmm. and all like, it's just, it, man, it was, it was just such an amazing experience. The first time I, I played that and actually got yeah. to, you know, uh, it just, it's just amazing. Like it's, it's really incredible in the world of order, like the first part of the game. Uh, yeah. But when everything falls balance. apart, the world, Whoa, falls, whatever, when everything falls apart and you get these incredible, like, Nobody tells you that there's all these little side quests you can do that will reveal the backstory of all the characters. You just have to right. figure it out. And when you delve into it, there's so much to but unearth. It, but it wasn't so like obscure to where you're like, how the hell would I've ever figured this stuff out? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like it gives you just enough to where you can pretty well find your way around and, and learn this yeah. stuff too. <clears throat> but for me so coming from, that. Hey, this is fighter. This is mage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to what we had with three. My God, yeah, what a what a treat! Sweet. Cool. All right, greatest game ever, hands down. I agree. I uh, agree. That's, that's it's pretty up there. Game. You agree? It's it the greatest game ever. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it has the perfect amount of characters for an R, um for an RPG. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Maybe for the SNES. I I'm ashamed to admit I still have never played through that game entirely. I need to. Well, we certainly built it Being up. Being the fan that I am. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard nothing but great stuff about it, and I don't know why. I just mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to play it. It's I've tried it's, several it's times. It's worth it for Terra's theme alone. I still listen to that every now and then on the uh on Oh, the yeah. And the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The music is top-notch. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Adrian, number two, sir. Number two for me is EverQuest, the PC. Nice. So... Story behind that one, um, the internet in general has always been a very fascinating thing to me. I remember when it, when I first heard about it and uh, how cool the the concept of being connected through your computer was to, you know, just everything about it was exciting. And uh, I think that's probably why I got so big into web design too. And I'm a, I love web design. It's what I do now. So. The concept really has never left me. But I remember hearing about online gaming and how you could play games like EverQuest or shooters and stuff on online on your PC with people all over the world. And that, that was just blew me away. So I remember my I built my own PC. I knew my dad knew somebody who knew how to build PCs, and so she showed me how to build my own PC. I was getting ready to go off to college um, that next summer or the next fall. So that summer, we, we over the course of several months, we were going to PC shows and at the state fair and buying parts. And uh, she would help me pick out everything I needed. And then we, I went over to her house and we built the PC and it was amazing. Like I had my very own PC that I'd built up to that point, like, I, I, we had a family computer that we would share, but now I had my own computer and I was getting ready to go to the dorm rooms and, uh, at 
at my university, Oklahoma State. And uh, one of the things that appealed to me the most is that they were going to have T1 internet, which supposedly was the fastest internet you could possibly get, faster than cable, faster than anything. And all I had up to that point uh, was dial-up. So I had no idea what to expect. So the first thing I did was buy EverQuest. And I was like, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to experience it. I remember getting up into my dorm room, meeting my roommate and everything, getting established in my classes, and then starting up EverQuest. And um, I almost failed out of that first, my very first semester. <laughs> I was going to say, EverQuest started up, GPA started down. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, I would miss classes. I wouldn't do my homework. And I was like, I knew, like, what am I doing? I was, I was, I was crazy, you know? Playing all this money, and I knew it too, you know. And I, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Like this was so fascinating to me. And I, I was in, in into it for a solid, I don't know, three or four months. And uh, I would get on there every day, play on there. I had a group of friends, not that I didn't know personally, but people that I met in the game that I was would meet on there, and they would show me the ropes and everything. And 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 uh, I don't know, like that was my first real introduction to online gaming. And, you know, I, I've, I've loved it ever since it progressed throughout, you know, I got my friends into it, like my personal friends who were grew up playing games with me, but didn't really play online games. And I convinced them to buy PlayStation twos with the (laughs) network adapter. So we could play SOCOM together or splinter cell. Um, I remember when Halo 2 came out, I convinced my friends to get an Xbox so we could play Halo 2 together. And we, you know, I was I became like the cog in the wheel to get all my friends to play games with me online. And it's just, you know, I owe that to to EverQuest, really. Show me how cool it was to experience that. Heck yeah. Yep. Cool. I didn't have, uh, I tried to get into it, but I had already played, like, I was way late to the party. I mean, I was, like, six expansions in when it when I finally gave it a shot, and I had already come off of, like, you know, Final Fantasy XI and Dark Age of Camelot and Ultima Online and all these other games where it just, to try and start a new world that was that massive, I was just like, I, I can't do this, I can't, no way. Um, but, man, the people that I, I hung out with at the time were really, really into it and, and grew up with it and loved it so everquest was a big game big game it's, everquest is the reason world of warcraft exists yep 100 percent. i remember taking screenshots of some of my friends that i met in the game i still have those somewhere i get to find them but uh yeah i was i was so into it it was like it was my other world you know yeah it was that's an mmo i haven't been able i haven't been able to get that deep into an mmo since then i mean that was like my experience Final Fantasy XIV is pretty sweet. Am I going to lie? Good. <laughs> I should play Anarchy Online. Heard they oh, updated the graphics. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Once they update the graphics, I will. Yes. Graphics. They have. Did they really? Yeah. Dark Age of They're Canada. still terrible. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Upgraded <laughs> to 1998. Mm-hmm. Dark Age of Camelot's great. <laughs> Best PvP in any then. MMO that I've ever played. Um, all right. Number ones, guys. Here we go. My number one is Final Fantasy 2 slash 4. It's 2 on the Super Nintendo and 4 in the series. This is the game that got me into RPGs. I 
man, I love this game with all my heart. This is one that I could still go back to, play over and over again, never get tired of it. Um, and I still, to this day, go back at least once a year and play a little bit of it if I don't, like, play the whole thing through. I've beaten it so many times. Um, it was the first game that I played where I learned the names of the cast of characters and got to know them and loved just being on this big, massive adventure um, and just having my mind blown by how rich storytelling could be in a video game when, you know, I've always been a reader. I loved reading books and stuff at the time, but I never got the same feeling from a video game. Video games were fun. I loved it. I could give you a ton of stories about NES games and everything like that, but I couldn't tell you about, like, characters I got attached to and stuff back on the NES, that kind of deal. But, man, as soon as I played Final Fantasy II, I was just like, I have to see what else is out there like this. You know, and that led me to almost every other game on my list, quite frankly. Um, and it's it's just it's just mind blowing um, what that game did for me and and what path it set me on all the way up until Mass Effect, the you know the the trilogy came out on PS3. I was only playing JRPGs, and it was because of that. So uh, yeah, that's my number one Final Fantasy two slash four. Amazing game. <clears throat> Mark, number one. Mark! All right. Well, my number one is Super Mario Brothers 3. Great game, still. Incredible yeah. game. You know, there's... I played Super Mario Brothers. Or is it just Mario Brothers? Brian? Just Mario Brothers. Just, just Mario, Mario Brothers. Brothers. It's also just Mario Brothers 3. I played... The Super was only added after the Super Nintendo was came in out. Well, you know what? I've played Mario Bros... I played some other games like uh, the Battle of Olympus, uh, Zelda, etc. But when I got to Super Mario, sorry, Mario Brothers Three, uh, that was the game that had the polish, it had the look, it was snappy. You felt like you were in control of your character. There was just so much stuff to do. The music was incredible. It was one of those games where you you could just fire it up, play for. Five minutes, play for five hours. It really didn't matter. You could just play it nonstop. And that was when I realized that games were for me, like, not just as a passing interest, but like I was going to play games a lot. You know, like one a year from that point on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's. I got to fact check you, man. Uh oh. Is Even on super? the original Nintendo, the first one is Super Mario Brothers. Oh, what? Well, well, well. Mario Brothers did exist, but and I thought this, but I wasn't. I didn't say it earlier because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Wow. The original. Uh, if if you ever played Super Mario Three, as Mark's talking about right now, you know how you can go at the very first level. You can push, I think, select and go into the little mini game with player yeah. one and two. That was the original yeah. Mario Brothers. Yeah, that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers was the first game, and then there was Super Mario Brothers. Interesting. 2 and Super Mario Brothers Three. Yeah. I thought they only added the yeah. Super after Super Nintendo, but uh, I remember that would make Super... sense, right? But as but soon no, as you yeah. said that it wasn't mm-hmm. for three, I was like, I could have sworn Super yeah. was on the box. Hmm. SMB Three. Like picture we call it. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Look how wrong I am. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this is just like the. It so, was the game that. Just had... So the comments don't light up with other people trying to correct him. I'm going to comment on myself. It's done. So we're good. We Brian's just trying to gaslight us. Well, right. it just, it just, I'm wrong, you know? Well, when it got to Super <laughs> Nintendo, they did start adding Super onto, like, everything. So it would yeah. sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, I was just basically leading to the point. My, my main point is this was the first game I played that had no jank to it at all. Yeah. Like you just played the game. It played how it was supposed to. And it was brilliant. The secrets in this game, too. Like, yeah. Were mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like the first, you know, the first world when you figured out how to get the flute by ducking behind the white block mm-hmm. and yep. running behind the level. And it was just, it's just so neat. This is the first game that I ever actually finished was Super yeah. Mario Brothers 3. Super Mario Brothers 3 was like going from silent films to films with sound. Yep. It's, it's so good. It's still one of the best platformers in my opinion to this day. Yeah. So cool. Anything else? Anybody else on that one? Yeah. All good. Right. Good. Brian, number one, sir. Hey, my number one. Uh, it actually is. Uh, I think Adrian's number five. I believe. Yep. Number five. Yeah. Right. Um, Super Mario slash Duck Hunt cartridge for the mm. Nintendo Entertainment System. Go ahead, Adrian. I'll, I'll cap it off once you're done. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it's on my list because it was the first video game I've ever played. And it was the one that stuck with me. I still remember exactly where I, well, I don't know where I was. I know it was at a friend's house. I don't remember who that friend was. It was a church friend, I think. I think it was maybe one of my parents or my mom's friends from church. But anyway, they had, I still remember what the room looked like. They had a game room and I was blown away that they had a freaking game room with a pool table and a TV set up with this video game system. I'd never, I didn't even know what the heck video games were. And I was, I just, Went over to the TV. He showed me how to play it. I started playing it and couldn't believe what I was playing. You know, I was probably like five years old at the time. I was very young. And it was, it's, it just stuck with me. And I, I literally think that if it wasn't for Mario Brothers, I don't know that I would be as into video games as I am today. Heck yeah. I I imagine a lot of people have a similar story on that game too. Yeah, yeah. Brian. Yeah, my story is the same. It's number one on my list because it is what got me into games. Um, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I think it was my seventh birthday or it could have been my sixth birthday. Um, My uncle, my dad's youngest brother, got me the NES for my birthday. And... My parents weren't too thrilled about video games. I, I you know, that I don't think they knew that they were going to like take over my life um, after that. Uh, so I don't think they were like they, they didn't care at the time. But yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The That was kind of like the formative experience of like, oh, this is what I this is my passion in life. You know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is what I plan to do for, you know, until I'm 82 and can't yeah. can't see. Um, but, you know, I, I just was so blown away by it. And. Um, I still to this day say that I am the best uh, duck hunt player of all time who presses the gun up against the CRT monitor <laughs> um, and shoots the ducks at point blank range. So nobody can beat my high nice. score because I cheat. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask you both a question? Uh, please ask. Please ask me a question. Did you did either of you play the third game mode? Which was like the multiplayer uh, Mario game. Where you could run off the left side of the screen and come onto the right side of the screen and jump up the platforms. That's that's be... what we were talking about with with three. That's at the beginning of three. That's not in the first one. Oh, was it in the third one? Oh. Yeah. 
That's when you that, push the, select on the yeah. first level in, in three. The first one. No, there was a select. That's regular Mario Brothers. Well, you, here's what. Here's let me explain. So in the second mm-hmm. level of 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 Super Mario Bros. One, uh, it's that da 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 that level, the the cave level. Yeah. Um, you can take a, a lift up above the bricks at the very top, and you can run um all the way to the end of the screen. That's not what he's talking about, though. Uh, no. But 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 this is probably what you're thinking of. And you no. go down, you drop down, and there are three pipes that you mm-hmm. can skip worlds. No. no, I know what he's talking about. It's it's he's talking about the original about Mario, Mario Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, the original oh, Mario yeah, Brothers, no. the very first game. Yeah, um, I actually have a copy of it on Atari. Nice. Uh, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's in Super Mario Brothers three. The very first level, if you have two players going, you just yeah. push select. It'll warp you into that. Yeah. And you just play. Oh. it. And it's literally like because you've got the pipes on the top on each side and the enemies come out and they fall down. You've got the pow yeah. block in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark, can I ask I you? Yeah. I, hey, Mark, can I ask you a question? Yes. Did you ever did you ever play the the multiplayer version of Mario when you're playing Mario three? Apparently, I did, and I forgot which <laughs> game it was in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, that's a long time ago. I was like very I young for sure. Yeah. And most people don't play Mario Brothers three for that, so I right. don't. You know, I don't blame you. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 in three. I kind of liked it though. That was neat. Yeah, it was a fun yeah. little game for sure. Cool, Adrian. Number one, man. Okay. My number one is Resident Evil. Resident Evil, and I've gushed about this game multiple times. I don't feel like I need to go into too much detail about it, but I do want to talk about why it's so personally influential to me. Um, It was the first game that I, well, it's the first time that I remember it being a family experience. So it was one of those, and I've told this story before, I'm sure, um, but it was a game that uh, my my parents were totally into, and they weren't into video games at all. So the fact that they were so into watching me play this game uh, was just super impressive to me. Also, it, it was just that they'd never seen a game so in-depth with story and exploration and horror elements and all these different things that uh, it was just all, it was new to all of us. So my... My dad, every night, would make me play Resident Evil. And I remember enjoying the game, but I thought the tank control sucked. And I thought the the gameplay was difficult. And it was scary. I mean, it, to me, it was a scary game. I'd never played a game like this up to this point. Um, so it was to the point where I was having, like, nightmares and stuff about zombies and being stuck in a mansion. And I was like, ah, my dad, but still like every night, okay, is it time to play Resident Evil? Are are, are you ready to play now? Like, are you done (laughs) doing what you need to do? Forcing him to play it because he he was just like, no, you got to finish it. We're invested now. But I'm having nightmares. It was crazy, man. (laughs) And uh, yeah, but I was like, yeah. And then it reached a certain point about had midway through the game where I wasn't too scared of it anymore. And I was kind of getting into the controls and I was feeling it and it literally, you know, became our nightly thing to to sit down and play this. And we played through it. And I remember my dad, my mom and my my siblings, you know, they would tell me like what to do, like go into that room here. Check behind that painting. Why didn't you check that? What you, it just it became a family experience. And I will always so remember cool. that. Yeah, I will All always right. remember that 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 connection that I had with my family at that time. And that's something that I tried to incorporate with my family now because I, I know how important it is. And, you know, with with my son and, and how much he loves playing Fortnite and stuff. And, you know, I wasn't really into it. I didn't really want to play it. But I just know that 
the impact it made on me. So I wanted to make sure to pass that on to him as well. And so, and I got into it. And so now we're, we're, we're Fortnite buddies and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I, I owe that family connection to resident evil. Heck yeah. Cool. That's my number one. Yeah. Wow. I think that does it. So those are our top five personally influential video games. Uh, we've been sitting here yeah. for a while, guys. <laughs> Dude, what a podcast! So, how does it how does it feel to be in front of? Uh, well, you guys are not used to being in front of a camera, but how does it feel to be recording something again? Missed it, man. Okay, man. Man, honestly, missed it. It was it was uh, uh once you started uh, linking us those old uh, TFN episodes, I was like, man, I miss recording those. Yeah, I I yeah. do have just, a question for uh, for all of your uh, viewers and listeners. Uh, do you, do any of you have a friend who plays one or two video games a year? Mm-hmm. Do any of you have a friend who, when they're in Overwatch with you, they seem to be doing nothing. They don't understand how to play their character role. Do you have a friend who, when they play Star Citizen with you, they have to ask you the key binds every time they get in their ship? I want to tell you something. Howdy, y'all! That's me! <laughs> hey, uh, you should have asked that if uh, you have a friend who's in Star Citizen asks you how, uh, if Aphorite's worth it every time you get to yes. an Aphorite node. I'll just go easy on them, is my point. <laughs> I, that, gotcha. was a, that was a perfect setup, Mark. I love it. That was awesome. <laughs> that was good. Oh man. Yeah, we I mean we we like we love I, I think I speak for all of us when I say we love doing it, but it was just like I was asking these guys for a time, I was asking them to give up pretty much every Saturday to come out and record. And I tried to make that easier by having us do come every other Saturday, but then record two episodes. Mm-hmm. So it was still like, you know, pretty much the entire day that we were losing. And I just felt bad for doing that to them every single time. And so we went back to one every other week. And and eventually, you know, with all the changes in real life and everything like that, it just it, it just it was just taxing. Um, but it, it definitely was not for lack of, you know, having fun because we definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I, you know, we, we've Mark's had Mark had a, a podcast he was doing a while ago where the three of us got back on uh, with our, our friend Tank as well. And, and we kind of did a little small reunion thing and um it's it's always good to get you guys back on and we talk every freaking day anyways um yeah. and adrian i i would assume now you can attest that the way you hear us on the yeah. show uh is pretty much how we are and how we talk to each other yeah. outside <laughs> as well it's it's a little i must so, admit yeah, it's a little um, bit hard to follow you guys you're fast and the, the thoughts they come out quickly <laughs> and if you don't miss the context or if you don't understand the context, you're lost. That's that's me. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I just sprint at the tops. I just sprint word wise that top speed. And like Michael Scott, I just start a sentence and then I hope I find my way home at some point. <laughs> that's right. Find it along the way. Yep. Yeah. I hope I catch a catch a poignant moment at that point. But if not, it just comes off of ramblish, ramblish, gibberish. Uh, and then uh, Mark goes, Wemblish, gibblish. <laughs> yes, that's a good way you to know. describe it. Yeah. Oh, man. It was great to have you Absolutely. guys on again. It was good talking to you in this. Yeah, in this I will say, like, I, um, I, I want to thank you guys 
a lot for coming on. It was it was quite an experience to meet you all. First of all, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I listened to almost every episode. It was a major influence on me for getting started in podcasting. So it's Adrian and I met because yeah, we yeah, did that absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was it was uh, a little bit surreal. I'll be honest to do this. So I, I really appreciate you guys. Well, I know I can speak perfectly for Mark when I say we're now best friends with you, Adrian. So we'll awesome. be talking more often. Uh, you have to get yeah. Star Citizen you know, I, now. It's basically yeah. required. <laughs> well, eh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Actually, maybe uh, not. Maybe, I, I maybe just like look at some stuff. I feel obligated at this point. I'll probably get it. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you just can. know that we warned you that it's yeah, very yeah. buggy. Yeah. So, um, but I think, and I, I think I speak for both Adrian and myself when I say, if you guys ever have a topic you want to just yeah. come and talk about or something like that, you're more than welcome to join us um, and just hang out something like that. So, um, I'd love to have you back at some point. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Just being able to hang out with the boys and talk about games. That's what I live for. for sure. I told people, I told people at work, uh, Friday, I said, I said, what do you, they always say, what are you doing this weekend? And, and usually I'm just like, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to play video games all weekend. <laughs> but this time I'm like, yeah, I got a podcast. And they're like, Oh my goodness. Something else besides video games. And then well, I'm, I'm like, do that too. Well, then, and then well, I'm like, well, it's a podcast about video games. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, well, so yeah, this one. Oh man. Cool guys. Thank you so much. Um, Adrian, you got anything to plug? Nope, not right now. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, if you do want to hear uh, more on my thoughts about uh, E3, I have videos up on my channel. Um, especially, I encourage people to go watch the the Deer Square Enix video that I put up uh, last week. It is um, honestly like I I get kind of real with it. Um, and and I when I was filming it, I did almost kind of get a little bit worked up, uh, like choked up. Um, Cause I felt really sad as I was saying what I was saying in the thing. So just go check that out. And especially if you're a square Enix fan um, in any capacity, uh, I encourage you to go, go check it out and share your thoughts with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Um, once again, thanks guys. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Mark, Brian. Um, yeah. This is, fun. It's just a little surreal for me. Cause it's like, it's been so long since we've done this. Dude, it so. feels so good though. We're just boy. Someone's got to say of, it. What? You know, the classic sign-off. Oh, we what is it, Mark? At the end. That's what we always oh, say at the end. Oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, with that, this is the Pixel Perspective signing off. Like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. If you're watching the video portion of this, if you're listening to the audio version, then you can hop on over to Game Room Revival, the video portion, uh, which has the videos that I was just talking about. Um, also look for an announcement sometime in the future about the video Mark was talking about, uh, his film that we mentioned earlier on the show. Um, and I will, I will say something about that. Um, check us out on Twitter. All the links will be on the channel. Um, Again, like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You know the drill if you've ever been to YouTube, which I would imagine most of you have. Uh, With that, my name is JJ. I'm Adrian. My name is Mark. Are we all doing it? (laughs) Yeah. Wait. I didn't tell an order, though, so just pick. Go for it. No, I already did, but I'll say it again. I'm Adrian. My name is Mark. Hey, hi. Every and I'm you and I'm buying. And Mark, <laughs> you know what? Since you brought it up, what should they do, sir? 
keep on gaming. That's right. Thanks a lot for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.